Today's episode is brought to you by Hover. Please visit hover.com slash rebelfm to get 10% off your domain name registrations. There are lots of places to register domain names, but most of them suck. Maybe they mean well and their tools are awful, or maybe they lobby on behalf of overreaching copyright legislation. Rebel FM wouldn't accept advertisements for those companies, but I've done some asking around, and Hover is different. Hover takes all the hassle out of owning and managing domain names. They've got smart, easy, friction-free, and powerful tools. They also offer 23 top-level domains, including .com, .net, .org, and .tv, .pro, .mobi, and .biz. That's a lot of dots. And Hover Email makes it easy and affordable to create a memorable email address and get around those kind of lame Gmail addresses. Moving sucks, and moving your domains can suck too. But Hover's got great support docs and tutorials. They cover everything from moving domain names to Hover, setting up redirects from old domains and domain forwards, pointing DNS to the most popular web hosting services, and more. But, since things go wrong, Hover offers real-life people. They can help you via phone with no holds, no waits, and no transfers Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So check out Hover, and be sure to register at hover.com slash rebelfm for 10% off your domain registration. Welcome to Rebel FM 165. I'm Anthony Gallegos. With me is Arthur Geese. You didn't fuck up the number. Uh, Mitch Dyer. You you trained him this time, though. You cheated. Mitch Dyer, who's pretty much at this point, or the Tyler chair, replacement. The fourth chair. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and then we have hey. and we have some very special guests. Uh, we have we have Jeff Green. Hi. Who I, I actually <laughs> I'm actually not even sure what your title is these days. But Does it doesn't it really matter. I work at PopCap. Yeah, and then we have and then we have Sean Elliott. We all used to podcast together, so we did. We did. Um, Those were good days. Oh, this is true. That you spoke something that was true. <laughs> um, <laughs> the can you neither confirm nor deny? <laughs> <laughs> I just think that maybe some people that listen to the show had never heard GFW, so they don't know why we ever. We're like, last gen. You really are. It's it's actually surprising how many people. I started uh, thinking, you know, because people, a lot of people ask us to do reunion shows, and I really think we're now at the point of seriously diminishing returns at a lot. We're about yeah. to be like Mark Hamill, like or exactly. like the guy in the Chewbacca suit at, yep. at a Star Wars convention. Totally. Where like, All you exactly. did is wore the Chewbacca suit, man. Yeah, like, we'll just be at some long card table, you know, we used to podcast for GFW. And- we're signing autographs for $5 while the guys from Idle Thumbs are doing it for 25 <laughs> like, <laughs> Bastards. Um but uh, we talk about video games here. Ostensibly. Ostensibly. Um, I don't know, you guys have been playing a bit of Dead Space 3? Yes. There's some stuff we can talk about. Yeah, we talked a little bit about it like a couple weeks ago. Uh, what, Dead what's, Space what's left that we 3... Can't talk about? The first four chapters of Dead Space 3 are pretty good. That's true. <laughs> I mean, um, they think- tell me at EA that it's awesome. I think I was supposed I, to come on here and say that. Uh, okay. Yeah, is that how this works? Last I checked, EA stands for everything awesome. Everything's awesome. <laughs> so... Um, uh, it's what my t-shirt says so I, I think that they made a miscalculation for existing fans pushing it really hard as a co-op game um, because that brings certain expectations 
uh, specifically that the game will feel like it's designed for co-op all the time. Like Halo three as an example was like, well, there's somebody with you all the time as master chief. So like, that's how they use it as an excuse that you have a co-op partner. Um, and so I think people expected that there'd be an AI follower, like as your fucking tail. Yeah, but I don't think that space. I don't think a co-op game needs to have like an excuse for there to be co-op. Like Halo, the old Halo games allowed you to do co-op too, and it didn't matter. You were sure. just a clone Master Chief. Yeah, but that, that's, games, that's, yeah. like that doesn't make it interesting though, right? It's games you just have, have gone, this player too who doesn't have any fucking role in the story. Right, but it was just fun because just sure. having a second person there for the encounters was yeah, all yeah. that mattered. As games take themselves more seriously, I think they feel like they need to contextualize everything. Yeah, I mean the so. appeal for me in Dead Space is co-op is that you as Isaac Clark, me as John Carver, we each have an independent role in the story. Yeah. Versus I'm a Master Chief clone, and as soon as a cutscene starts, I don't exist. Yeah. Uh, so the way that it handles it is basically when you're playing by yourself, it just feels like a Dead Space game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when there's a co-op person, it puzzles change a little bit, like something that might require you to use your. Uh, uh, kinesis module like to grab something and rotate it or move it around like one person might need to grab it with their beam and rotate it and the other person has to move it and that's exactly when all the necromorphs break in and like have to like rush you um so it, it changes the nature of puzzles uh for co-op so that does it you, feel perfunctory or, or are there a lot of changes for co-op no it doesn't feel perfunctory it feels like it's it's appropriately balanced for that Mm -hmm. uh to the point where actually later in the game um certain encounters actually feel a little too much for for single player because there's shit coming from every direction Uh um and it feels like oh well there should be one person on this side of the room one person on the other side of the room uh and when it's just me on this side of the room i am more likely to get fucked right um does it still feel scary overall? Like yeah, tone-wise? That's and- that's the thing about playing solo that I that I'm impressed by and the thing that I was worried about as far as co op is that <laughs> if you have someone with you all the time, then like Dead Space's scares revolve around being alone. Yeah. In this horrible, fucked up situation. Like the best parts of Dead Space, the best parts of Dead Space Two make you feel the most alone. Like in Dead Space mm-hmm. Two when you're going through the belly of the Ishimura again through all the stuff that you've seen before and sort of reliving the horror of that or whatever. Like the fact that you're alone in what is essentially a haunted house that you've been in before is what mm-hmm. makes it scary. Mm-hmm. And in this, I mean, you are by yourself in these places that tell a very specific story. And that's something that dead space three is doing more with its environments. Um, so mm-hmm. far is that it's telling the story of, uh, first of all, this thing that happened way in the past before the first two games, um, like about the revolution between the established Earth government and colonialists, which mm. who won. Uh, so like the the Earth Gov or whatever in Dead Space and Dead Space 2 is like was a revolutionary government that beat the old government. So you're so you're sort of like warning about this stuff and how <laughs> that fits into the Dead Space universe and you're going to these environments on these ships and sort of the story of how they, they all died is unfolding. And there's lots of that. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's lots of little narratives that are much more developed than anything was in dead space or dead Mm -hmm. space Two. I guess to me, the, like this dead space got along, I feel like it's less and less scary, not in a bad way. I just feel like it's not about scaring me as much as it is about just making me feel right. It's all about stress and tension. The transition from alien to aliens has been invoked Mm -hmm. repeatedly. And I Uh think that that's accurate. Um, and I, I mean, I could see a little bit of the Alien 3 goal to get back to 
like more isolation and more like being outnumbered. But I still think that it succeeds more as an action horror game than as a survival horror game. On on medium, it feels a little easier at times than I think some hardcore Dead Space players are going to like. Um, but it's all working really well. The weapon customization stuff is a hell of a lot of fun. Um, it's all really powerful. The in-app purchases have not interrupted my experience or enjoyment. Um, have you bought any yet? No, because it's giving me enough <clears throat> oh, it's stuff. probably not live anyway. Like... No, it is in the version that I'm playing. It's all there. And not only that, I'm playing on a debug, so I could like spend a thousand dollars on all this mineral shit and totally break the game. Um, yeah, but, I always felt like I had enough, right? Yeah. Like you, you get enough loot that you can build stuff comfortably and you, you never feel well, like, shit, enough, I'm limited, so I need to spend money. There's enough that you feel like you have options, but you always feel like you're making choices. Yeah. yeah. I kind of wish that Dead Space Three was coming out alongside another iOS game or something like that because that was the first Dead Space. IOS that was game one was thing. Awesome. It was, and one thing I felt like EA did that was really smart with that was that uh, they had that integration of everything, where it's like if you register your Dead Space thing, you get something in Dead Space Three, and there was yeah. all this back and forth between all their games that made it like you wanted to be a part of. If all you have of those. a Mass Effect Three save on your console, you get a special suit of armor. Yeah, it's like an N7 one, which is... Yeah, yeah it looks a little goofy, you know, it does. out of context. Um, a lot the, of the armor looks a, Dead Space. a goofy. Is there a Dead Space 2 save thing? I don't know. I talked to them months ago, and they were like, well, uh, mm, we'll see, tease, tease. But I didn't actually... I, I don't have a Dead so Space 2 save on my debug. PR is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I, I think that it's it's working really well. Um, I'm looking forward to talking more about it. But the, the co-op stuff actually works really well. Um, and they're smartly... Dis- like they understand that the isolation is important to the way that dead space is scary. So they're introducing entirely different stuff for co-op in that there's sort of scenes, or this is what I understand because I haven't seen very much of it, but basically John Carver and Isaac Clark are both losing their minds as you go through the game. And each person is seeing the sort of manifestations of how their character is losing their mind in co-op, but only in co-op. Because that stuff is not really present that I've seen in single player. And yeah, I told you, she totally... That is where she sits on my couch. My cat couch. is just as much a part of this podcast as everyone <laughs> yeah. that sits in this room. It's, it's, it's comfortable present. on Sean. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, Sean's balls are totally warm. What can you uh, what can you are. tell us about like the combat ecology? Like in the One, one thing that uh, the original Dead Space and the sequel as well did really well was take something as simple as, you know, there's a directional orientation to your weapon. Sure. We're going to create, you know, a number of enemy types that are susceptibilities only on certain, you know, horizontal or vertical axes. I mean, things along those lines. <clears throat> and then also, like, uh, even just, like, outstanding AI types that are, you know, more conducive, say, to cooperative play. Like, that's that's um, got to be an interesting challenge. The, yeah. the AI feels much more aggressive than it has before. Uh, they're much more likely to... Like, let's say you're on a platform that's above them. And they see you, they know you're there. They're much more likely to just jump an event and work their way behind you. Um, and it, they won't just come from one direction. They will come from every direction. <laughs> um, there is, it's harder to see where they're coming and have like a good amount of space to take them out. Uh, and the thing about you feel that works out well. I mean, I, I think that it, it changes up the combat. Um, and from what I've seen so far, it usually works out well. But there were times where I felt overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Because I maybe I didn't have the right weapon, or maybe there was just more than I think that I should have to deal with on single player. Uh, but the the nature of the aggressive enemies and 
their weaknesses sort of seem to shift enough and you can only have two weapons at a time now uh, that it forces you to experiment with the weapon crafting and like much more than you otherwise would. Yeah. And like what you're talking about as far as the horizontal or diagonal or, or vertical alignment of stuff like the plasma cutter, that's still there and that's still important and that can still save you ammo. But you're also making a trade off with something like the plasma cutter because weapons have handles and upper engines and lower engines. And for the plasma cutter, it's a compact handle with an upper engine that's a plasma engine, and that gives you a plasma cutter that's horizontal. And then underneath, there's a rotator module that lets it turn. Okay. So you have to make it into the yeah, old the rotator I mean, module. Is the no, trade-off. you, you get it. Have a secondary. Fire. You you get it as the old plasma cutter. But when you get to a workbench that works and you have another engine, you could take the rotator module off the bottom and stick another weapon underneath it. So later in the game, for example, I have a plasma cutter that has a ripper underneath it, which... But it no longer rotates. But it no longer rotates. So it's permanently stuck uh, as horizontal. Um, Or before that, I had a flame unit underneath. So it was a plasma cutter and flamethrower. And when you get into more like certain engines have lots of types of tips that you can use on them, which change the way that they function. Like if you take a military engine, which is like a basic gun, uh, if you have a, a compression module or something like that, it turns it into a shotgun. There's a pulse module, which turns it into like a, like a trio of guns that fire a lot of bullets, but don't do a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. There's like a sniper rifle version of it. Um, and then underneath that, you have, say, a force gun, which knocks things over. Or you can add a different tip to that that sends a more compressed beam much further and does more damage. Um, so you're constantly making decisions about the kinds of weapons that you want to carry, and you can't carry everything. With that much weapon variety, um, like I guess one concern off the bat I'd have is that like there's... Because in the original game, because it was so simplistic and it was so straightforward, you sure. would understand which tool would be appropriate relatively for which task at hand. And does it seem now as though they're all relatively equally effective, except they have a different flavor? No. Um, um, and like, are, are there specific? Are there is there you know is the range of AIs and the types of spaces that you fight them in constantly change situations so that it's strictly superior? For example, to use a shotgun one moment and then to use you know something with the the ability to change the vertical horizontal. I think there there are going to be times where specific kinds of weapons work better. Like I use the force gun a lot because it knocks everything back, uh, which works much better in a tight corridor than it does outside. Because there are areas where you're outside, um, and I don't. I mean, I guess, I guess I can talk about that because that's in the demo. Um, so you're, there's this ice planet with much more wide open spaces than a lot of Dead Space levels have had, um, and their enemies are more likely to be coming from multiple directions at once, and they're not gonna, out of nowhere. Yeah, they're not going to be all in front of me for them to knock them all over. Right. Um, or I the kinds of weapons that you have change how you can manage bodies uh and body management is really important because now just cutting off the legs of a corpse isn't necessarily going to be enough because there are things that walk around that will take them over even if they don't have legs there are also guys that like you'll you'll blast off both arms and the torso will explode and three tentacles will pop out and suddenly it's like it crawls on the ground like a spider and 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 with those guys if you do that, like if you, let's say you blow off their torso, then they've got the tentacles above and they just like whip around and they come at you as a melee enemy. If you were to blast off their legs, their lower torso explodes out. They have the scorpion tails bust out and then they're crawlers. 
So they're going around on the walls, they're firing shit at you, and they can attack you really badly up close. So the ways that you dispose of certain enemies changes the way that they attack you. So <laughs> being Johnny on the spot with this memory can actually fuck you. Um, and there are, there are enough kinds of enemies that it's it mixes them up in a way that makes it interesting. Um, I, I mean, there's some stuff I can't talk about yet. But it's... As an action game, it, there's actually a really interesting sort of, um, as you put, ecology uh, to the enemies that you're facing. They've done that so well. I mean, it's why I, I was just curious to learn more about it because it was like something that's always stood out in the series. I mean, from if it's it, there, there might be a specific AI case. Like in two, there were the guys that would creep behind, you know, the crate <clears throat> peek out from behind boxes, right, and then run to another location and then ultimately attack you. And then you know, part of for me, that's emblematic of like their success with like their combat design in the series because. There's like a lot of foreplay in a fight, and even mm-hmm. if it's just a basic dude that's coming down a hallway, he will start at such a distance that you have this window of opportunity, and your tactical situations <laughs> are quickly going to reverse where you have, you know, whatever, you have five seconds to, to shoot him, to try to take limbs out. But the moment that you fail that, because, you know, there's usually more than one, it's reversed, and you have just this gestalt shift where you need to have a shotgun, you need to have push, you need to have something else. Sure. and. You build it. It's just always satisfying to feel like, okay, I managed that threat. And you, it creates its own like arc where you feel escalating intention, escalating, escalating. And then relief comes like when you drop them, when they're just like an inch away from your face. Running away is something that I feel like happens more. Yeah, I use Kinesis three. a lot or uh, Stasis just yeah. to freeze something, make my escape, turn around, assess the situation, and react accordingly yes. based on like how much time I have left for them to freeze, uh, how many are left, whether anybody's like busting out of a vent or behind me now. And stasis tends to be area of effect now instead of just hitting one enemy. Yeah. Um, so you're it like laying down like canisters, laying down fields right. of stasis so that you can hopefully hit more than one enemy at once. Do you feel as though you're catching the the majority of AI introductions? You know, like the moment they appear, or does it often feel as though you know they're like they're popping in from behind you and stuff? Because that was a complaint people had about some of the encounters in the other two games where um, it would just be you know like they would they would their introduction would happen off screen. You know, it would happen behind you and like audio would audio be the only cues, tell yeah. for you. To audio, like that audio dude that cues. screams and he has like the big busted arm and he explodes. Like, yeah, that, that's right. still that, that enemy, very common. You'll just yeah. hear the screech and you're like, fuck, I know he's here, but I don't know where. And I think that like people may bitch about that, but that's like such a specific, uh, mood element to dead space. Mm. Like the knowing that something is somewhere and not yes. knowing where it's coming from. I mean, plenty of other shooters have done that. They yeah. do, yeah. But there's ways under the hood that you can like, I mean, I would love to make that kind of game one of these days. I mm-hmm. mean, it's so close to resident evil four, but like, you know, for example, you know, you, you don't want to have everyone coming from a fixed point that you're the, a location that you're aware of over and over again, unless it's like, you know, a specific siege scenario. But what you could do though, is you could solve the problem of how do I get someone to look by like reframing it to I'm going to solve the problem wherever they look. So, you know, you would have the environment flagged with, you know, there's like six vents, there's a doorway, there's like an an open hole in the roof. And every time someone looks at them and you know, I have the population budget, I need to spawn more monsters. I'll stop trying to talk design. I need basically more (laughs) monsters to, to, continue to threaten you, you know, I think it, like talking you, about the practical considerations is them, fine. and it would happen so quickly that it would feel very natural right so if you spin spin around because you hear a noise so you can actually then use audio to trick someone into looking but you haven't spawned the, the monster yet until they look and then it comes out when you're looking at it you know yeah you you can never count on knowing where monsters are going to come from um 
Especially because you mentioned earlier, they will use vents to just navigate the environment on their own. Right. If they mm-hmm. see you and you don't see them, mm-hmm. you might see it. Like you might be like above an area and look down and see a monster jump into a vent, and like you know, okay, he's here, he's somewhere here, but you don't know where he's going to pop out because he's navigating mm-hmm. the environment on his own. So yeah. you, you don't mm-hmm. necessarily know like what the specific connectivity of the vents is, but you know that once something goes into a vent, it can technically come emerge right. from any other vent. Yeah. yeah. So you have like this the assumption visual. that there, there is some kind of system that yeah, they're yeah. navigating. Cool. I mean, I'm sure that there's not actually a system of vents <laughs> that is just like it's entering, it's entering like a buffer, and like it's trying to decide which vent it's going right, to like pop the, out. The of. visual signal is there's that a recognizable you yeah, vocabulary that hey. as soon as you see now, this. now you're paranoid and you watch all the vents. Exactly. Yeah. So, are, are there any like trapping tools or anything? Um, you can make mines and things like that. Yeah. I mean, you, mines, how much of a kinesis is like something that I want to be like a big deal. You can it. still rip two, off. that was like the way that I took care of like half my enemies. Yeah, right? you can was, still like rip off their arms and grab posts and shit from I, the environment. I, I feel did that like, significantly less. Yeah, it's not as much of a of a factor as it was in the second one, which was a little bummer because I like one of my favorite things in Dead Space Two was grabbing mops. And well, see, like, and, and I wonder if mops are like the uber weapon in right. Dead Space. Well, see, and too. I was wondering if that's because they allow you to make these weapons that can do such multi-purpose yeah. things that, like, maybe there isn't as much of a need. Because in the second one, it felt like you needed to look around to use the environment a ton because you were like you had good dismemberment, but you didn't have a good finisher, like yeah. a lot of times. So you needed to I, get yeah, a mop handle the, or a spike. The weapon customization stuff is way more fun to play around with than I expected it would be. Yeah, I mean, and, and because not only. Of- Okay. Well, I was just going to say melee is uh, significantly <clears throat> less effective now at a base level. Like Isaac's basic melee right. attack is almost ineffective because now there is a module that you can slap on a pistol or a rifle, mm-hmm. and that to gives make you it like a pneumatic hammer, right? Or like like a, it accelerates or it lets you use a, a bayonet of some kind to do extra melee damage and send dudes flying or activate. Um, and and the fact that the weapon system also there are certain things that seem like they're particularly useful if there's someone else there to take advantage of something that you're doing. Like, if you use the force gun to knock someone down, it's going to be about two or three seconds before you can fire that again or the other weapon on on your handle. So, if there were someone there to, say, hit them with a flamethrower when they're knocked to the ground, that would be more useful. Um, so, and there are additional modules you can put on weapons that uh, if you use stasis, it lasts longer, and it lasts longer for your partner. Or when you pick up ammo, it gives you more ammo, and it gives your partner more ammo. If I use a health like pack, it heals you as well. Yeah, have um, they stuck to the same stasis kinesis uh, powers? They haven't added any. Nah, I think that's it. I mean, they modified the the kinesis in such a way that you can now torque objects. Mm-hmm. It's a very basic change, but uh, it's functionally. Like, there's no functional difference. Right, like, you just tap B, and now it's like, okay, you're rotating this handle as opposed to just, like, moving something. Yeah. But it, it it's, it's just a way to, to occupy your time in the, a way the that, The two like, power thing, I think, has worked well with them, and it's good yeah. to, to hear that they've stuck with it. Just, like, <laughs> it's about, you know, wringing as many uses out of these two right. powers as you, and, and knowing that since players have access to the same two th- the entire game, they can continually create situations in which you need to use them as opposed to like, you know, when you get into other games like Bioshock and stuff where it's an entirely different model. Yeah. It's much more about expression, but you know, one of the obvious downsides is you can't create a puzzle that relies on the person having kinesis when you don't know that they have kinesis and, and And I mean, or they might not have even used it in the past seven hours. So you have, you can't even assume a a level of familiarity, you know, or, or mastery of it. So, and the first Bioshock actually did play with that sometimes like fire in particular, like to melt ice, but it did yeah, it by like gating with giving that. you powers in such a specific order that like you knew that once you got that power, exactly. it was after you'd seen all the ice. Yes, Dead Space Two is still really good about that. Like I was playing a bit this week, and one of the puzzles 
was like you have to attach a accelerant to the base of objects yeah. and then shoot them to to cause them to propel but i was out of ammo completely and i was i didn't know what to do i thought i was totally screwed couldn't proceed but you can throw another tank at the accelerant and that causes it to trigger and propel so they're they're kind of on top of that shit making the, sure that you have at least something the to thing proceed. about dead space 3 that's kind of impressive is that <clears throat> I, on its surface you think oh well they're not doing very much differently but they managed to keep the core of what the game is um thus far from what i played they're keeping the core of what the game is, and it still functions just as well as it has before, while introducing co-op, which is a place where a lot of games have thrown themselves on rocks, and doing it pretty functionally well, uh, and completely changing the equipment system and the suit system uh, in a way that still works and makes sense in the universe. Uh, so less suits. Never, I never changed suits once in the whole four chapter area. Sure, that changes. Sure. Um, um, so yeah, Dead, Dead Space 3 is pretty good so far. I still need to play through on co-op. One thing I wanted to ask you about, Sean, uh, just because I never got to hear what you thought about it, but I know you were a big <laughs> Resident Evil 5 fan, and I liked it a lot too, and loved playing co-op. Yeah. But I, how did you feel about 6 when you finally got a chance to play that? I haven't played it. I'm waiting really? For, I'm waiting for the PC one to come out. Oh, I figured <laughs> no, for sure you would have been all over angry, 6, man. We were going to play it together. Okay. So, And he wanted to get it on PC, so we're still... I, I haven't played it at all. It's yeah, just it was, that I'd heard, I'd heard, I'd heard mixed things. It was very, very polarizing. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to stop me from jumping in. I know uh, 5 was very polarizing, and I, I like that a lot. I think there's like a ton of awesome design work in, in 5. And that's not to say it's not without flaws or that I think on the whole it's anywhere near as good as four, but it was its own thing and it was really nice. So. Yeah, I mean, I think the Resident Evil games in particular have always had that sort of uh, that sort of system you're talking about, where it's like you know, like oh, these are the guys I switched to the shotgun for; these are the guys I switched to the pistol for. Like, and even like, I mean, both what both those games have in common to me is like a parsability that you only get with slowing things down to that extent. And it's there in a lot of games. Like, I mean, traditionally, I associate, you associate it with zombie games, right? You know, like we like Killing Floor and stuff. And it's just <laughs> the difference between, you know, you think of Left 4 Dead is a great game, but it's a different sort of game. It's not necessarily about the parsability of you have a mob just rushing at your friend and, you know, you fire all your automatic weapons and they fall and maybe one gets through. It's totally different than the moment when you're both looking at like two or three guys or even one guy you know, inexorably approaching you and you have to, you're specifically trying to stun him so that you can hit him. And that, that pacing, like it allows you to, and even though there's a lot of can hit reactions and stuff like that, it just feels better when like you, you look and you're like, Oh, here's a guy. He's knocking a, a flame bow, uh, a flame arrow. And you realize, okay, I need to hurry up and shoot him. And I probably have about two seconds. Otherwise I'm going to eat shit. And then you aim for him and he just happens to do one of his dodges, you know, like they now and then like they, yeah, they sidestep, side you moused over him and they'll side shuffle. And then like, it just misses him. And then you get your next shot off and it hits him. Like when things play out at that pace, I think everything just reads so well and resonates more than when it's just bam, 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 bam. You're just mowing so many fucking things down. Like, you know, every, every moment. That, yeah. Um, and that, that's what I really loved about that. And with co-op, it was great because then, again, you would see your friend about to get overwhelmed. And when you take the dudes out, they were, like, you know, seconds away from, like, biting his neck off. He would know that you saved him. It wouldn't be shit just blew up. Maybe someone saved me. I'm not sure. Like, he would know very specifically that you shot the thing in the head and blew its head off in front of his face before, you know. And then it, just like you mentioned, too, like, another thing those two franchises share is, like, 
enemies that have the state changes. I mean, Half-Life did that well, too, uh, where basically, you know, you, you decap, you, you take the legs off something and it's now a different type of threat. Um, or, you know, with the headcrabs and stuff. You yeah. shoot them and it becomes a headcrab thing. But, um, yeah, I love those creatures and that's I'm excited to hear there's more of that in Dead Space um, 3. The thing about Left 4 Dead that I, that I was reminded of recently, I played um, the DLC, the, the fan-made... No, the, the fan-made one. Passing? Oh, is it Cold Stream? Cold Stream. Yeah, yeah. Cold Stream, yes. Um, so that's the fan-made map that mm-hmm. Valve released for free for Left 4 Dead 2 on PC, and they, they charge like 7 bucks or something on 360. Yep. So I bought it on 360 and played it with some people, and I it was driven home how important level design is to Left 4 Dead, and Left 4 Dead, to me, feels much more about the levels than the encounters, whereas Resident mm-hmm. Evil seems much more about the encounters than the levels. I think it, I, I see it as both. I mean, if you're ever going to have it, like the two have to work in lockstep, you know, sure. and like they just, their levels are different because their levels play to the strengths of their systems, which would be the AI know, AIs, director. the way that, the, you know, the, the players <clears throat> like Arsenal and all that business. And since they're both different, like Left 4 Dead does a phenomenal job of like all their maps, like a certain few things govern them in the same way that a certain uh, few principles govern like a good TF2 map, you know, just like how can this be useful for all classes to some extent, you know, but instead of that, instead of having to worry about, uh, are there excellent places for engineers to do their job and not just have basically sentries exposed beyond their range, just getting destroyed constantly. They have to say, you know, how does this space work with all their key AR archetypes? You know, um, the, but the, what do they call them in there? The boss infected or whatever? Oh, the special infected, the special infected. Yeah. So, um, Jeff, I know that uh, you were talking about how, you know, obviously nowadays in your job, you don't always get a ton of time to play games, but you like Dishonored yeah. for you was one that you dove into. Um, I'm curious how for someone like you too, because like, for instance, I never played Deus Ex. Like, uh-huh. I know that that's uh-huh. like, or I'm saying, Thief. Or Thief. Yeah. But I'm saying coming from that, can you like see the legacy of those games when you're playing that? Like you can tell like, oh, this is from the guys oh, that yeah, were behind totally. those. And I, and I felt that way um, about... Uh, well, not the same guys, but Mark of the Ninja actually reminded me of, of Thief all the way, all really? the way through. Wow. Just, just in terms of, I feel like, both those games in different ways, both uh, Mark of the Ninja and uh, Dishonored, um, solved a lot of the problems I had with earlier games like Deus Ex and Thief in terms of suspension of disbelief, which I, I've, I've harped on before. But I had a real problem in the old days with a game like Thief, um, just because the AI... I think it was an AI problem. <clears throat> I felt it wasn't sophisticated enough back then to deal with uh, things happening in the world. Like, for example, you would shoot out a light in Thief uh, right above a guard's head. And he'd just be like, cool. And he wouldn't even, yeah, he would just, <laughs> hmm, hmm, hmm. You'd still be whistling. It's like, okay, your whole job is like to guard this area and make sure that nothing's going wrong. And I just shot out the light from above your head. You should react. So it was a lack of, of reaction to state changes that just bugged the shit out of me in a game like Thief. I finished it, and I liked it, and, and I actually just played Thief again recently when it went on stale, sale on Steam, and I thought it was great, but at the time, it wasn't... Um, I just didn't appreciate that there was no... It didn't seem like the things I was doing was affecting the AI. They just seemed too stupid for me. Um, and I feel like... Uh, both of, both these newer games do a great job of that. And Dishonored, actually, just listening to you guys talk about, um, um, you know, weapon choice versus method choice, and you know, level and and uh, you know, monsters. I felt like this was a game where you really had 
like an incredible amount of options on every different screen. And um, they did a pretty good job of balancing it all the way through, which I thought was remarkable. Like once I finally got the, uh, um, I don't know what they call, I don't remember what they call them in the game, but the what powers. Do? Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say a specific one. Well, all of them, really. And I, yeah. I felt like all the powers were used really well. And, and when I went back and played the game a second time, or I got halfway through the second time, I picked up powers <coughs> that, I, that I didn't try the first time. What like, did you yeah. pick the first the time? The violent ones. <laughs> the violent ones. Well, I really was trying to play it without killing anybody, which I find what? impossible like and dishonored the, now. Is that all gamers or what? Like, It I, just I, seems like this trope to me. It's like anytime I'm ever going to have a conversation uh-huh. about Dishonored, it always begins with someone explaining how they're never going to kill anyone, which well, isn't bad. It's just I'm yeah. just surprised that it's so uniform. Yeah, except uh, I couldn't do it. Like, I, I wanted to. I, you know why? Not I think it's because there's, <laughs> yeah, been, I killed everything. there's been this sort of training that to get the good ending, yeah. right, you have to right. do a certain thing. Like There's this constant quest for the good ending. And I actually heard people bitch about this in Dishonored. Because but, it like, fucking spells well, out the guy, and, and the And at the end, in parts of it, there are... You get berated, mm-hmm. like he's like, "Man, Corvo, you didn't well, really have to be yeah, that you mean." Get you're yeah. you're yeah. literally ranked on the amount of chaos. Yeah, Correct. Yeah. Right. So it tells you flat like out, like you fucked up. Right. Yeah, but I also totally felt weird. like you know, in the in the game's universe and the story, that there was there was a disconnect. Like, I I didn't want to be this guy randomly killing these like poor schmucks who didn't really deserve to die. I but felt even, like. What about your your assigned mark though? Like you you need to kill this guy. Yeah, there were bad. those guys. Those guys, those guys I would kill. need to deal with them. And definitely okay. in the last part of the game, we can probably do spoilers right at this point. Uh, in time when, well, I don't have try to. Not to okay. be super specific, okay. but but there's definitely like the cabal of guys who are behind. And you. I'm like getting, these fuckers getting got up. to die. Right yeah. at the point where I'm going after them, it's like yeah, there's no mercy there. Like fuck all of you. Yeah. But but it was just like the random guards I was sneaking up on. I felt like I could just put them out. You right. know, and not kill them. Of course, humanize. Even more with the with the amazing the uh, heart. heart that they have. The thing that <laughs> the the design it's, it's a, you equip it. You can yeah. listen to them. And no, like, it's amazing. And it will give you. No, it, it gives you a lot of backstory. On a per, on a no, that was kind of neat. That stuff basis, was. Yeah, it will give you information. Right, it will humanize the. the it will. The, the 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 I think the mistake that Dishonored made early on with the no kill thing is to get a no kill run through the game. You can't kill anyone throughout the entire thing. And that includes during the tutorial when it's practically telling you to kill people. <laughs> right, kind you have of to is, wait. Yeah. Like when it, when it first instructs you to kill the first guy, you uh, have to wait for it. You have to wait, or in the first, the very first encounter, right when the when the empress's attack, like you just have to block the entire time. Oh, but it I never see. tells you that. It just says press left right. to murder. Really, That's that will screw up your no kill. Yes, you That's have to ridiculous. just you have to just block the entire time, and I it takes it. three times as long. The trick, I think, is just in framing like what's normal play. So if you frame normal play as you're going to be engaging in some stealth, you're going to be killing people, and then you frame the entirely like pacifist approach mm-hmm. as four determined players who really have something to prove to themselves off the bat, that can help. Because otherwise, but if like, you I, delineate I it that way, of- then that's everybody. Because nobody wants to feel like the less committed player playing that game, at least not for the vocal choose, audience. Not all people choose the hardest mode, and anyone who's by you know, I would say by definition, not picking the hardest mode available, is already like marked themselves as less committed relative to whoever is going to pick that mode. I just feel like it's more it's more challenge. You know, I found it more challenging to not kill, and it was more interesting to me to not kill. Like, there's a scene where uh, what's it, the crazy old lady. Granny Rags. Rags. Right. Susan where, Sarandon. Where, you're first, where you first encounter her, 
and you're inside her house and the dudes come up to the front door, right? right? Well, you could like blast, you could open the door and just blast them all down. But it was so much more fun to me to go outside, you know, go up and around and sneak up behind them and pick them off one by one. Sleep darts. Like that was just fun and more fun to to like the point of frustration and you feel like as though you're still obligated to take that approach. Because like I heard, you know, when I was first playing it and having the discussions, you know, the lunchroom discussions with coworkers, it was like, there's a group of people like me who were just like in love with the game. Mm -hmm. Fucking phenomenal. And then there are a group of people that were, you know, kind of on the fence. And it was like, what I started to see is it was those who just like had this strict black and white, I will not harm a soul, Uh. who were finding themselves more frustrated because really every Uh. sort of accidental thing that happens, you know, they knock someone out and they're trying to hide the body, but they Uh didn't look over the ledge first to see that it's like a a quarter mile drop. (laughs) (laughs) Or they throw a body over a building. Or it's like there's water there. Right, yeah. and then yeah. just drown immediately. That's what killed my Deus Ex uh, Human Revolution <laughs> no-kill run. So so for them, they would have to immediately restart the entire Well, that's level. ridiculous and to then me. And then as that began to accumulate, they would have a little more frustration. But yeah. I, mean, I would always scratch my head and say, you opted into this. You chose Sure, right, start. that's a self-imposed limitation. And yet right. you're still upset with, because the game, ultimately, you know, no one's going to be upset with themselves. It's just sadly how people are, right? They're going to... right. No, when I there were definitely scenarios where I didn't want to kill, but if they accidentally got killed, I did not reload. Just keep I was going. just like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, buddy. I, I exactly. had a point in Dishonored where I accidentally killed someone, and I had tried to part so many times, I was like, nope, that guy's staying dead. And then right. I killed like four more guys in quick succession. <laughs> yeah. But they had it coming. My cat right. killed. My cat killed one of the most important characters. Slippery slope, man. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. PP is responsible for a death. There's a part in Dishonor where you have to make a choice of whether or not to kill someone that's pretty important. And yeah. she just headbutted my controller as I was sitting there thinking about it, and she killed him. Nice. So Good call, she made that call, but I didn't reload because for me, I just like I, I, to have fun with those games. I have to be the type of person that just rolls with it. I'm the same way with Hitman, right? Like, yeah. I don't go for Silent Assassin. I always play those games on a if shit breaks out. Right. Can I overcome that's it? That's the yeah, most adapt. fun way to play. Fun. Like, start with a certain intention, but then sure. adapt as as soon as it changes. Mm-hmm. I go from being like as stealthy and conniving as I can, like in Hitman or something. As soon as hell breaks loose, like, like it's going to go all this? the way. You know, like I'm not going to restart it. I'm going to just like press on with it, and then next time the scenario resets next level or whatever like start it all over again but sometimes you might trip on a fucking can like two feet into the level (laughs) that'll determine you know that outcome will determine the way you play that i i think the the one thing i'll say for dishonored in that respect is that they smartly allow you to save anywhere at any time yeah yeah because it is such an old school game in that regard in that you can make it all about trial and error if you Mm -hmm. want to do something right that for it to rely on checkpoints that might make you repeat a sequence mm-hmm, over mm-hmm. and over again would be unforgivable. And I, I, I did like to experiment. I mean, like the second time I played, I had never gotten the power where you could turn into other things or possess possession, other right? Things. And the second time through, I thought that was just fantastic. Yeah, you could just walk that. targets off cliffs and shit. Yeah, but yeah. you can't because you're in them. Well, no, you, you walk yeah, them off a cliff, you'll kill yourself. You walk into more cliff and you un yeah, and then you unpossess them. Yeah, some, all those powers work. They complement one another. They do really yeah. well, and they have multiple uses. Which I like is fucking great. Like I, the rats, the rats if, are. Great. If you're playing stealthy, you know, stealthily, they can dispose of corpses. But you know, and you then you can use them to just straight up devour someone who's alive if you mm-hmm. want. Mm-hmm. You can also, um, you know, use it to create something to possess if you have possession. They just it all works really well. I'm amazed that their level. Like, I mean, I don't know much about level design. Is obviously you would chum, but it's just like when I imagine constructing a level where that blink ability can be used in all the ways that it can like mm-hmm. that has to be like and so daunting they struggle yeah, with the it. metrics right for everything because you have to know like what the maximum like comfortable level for bl- a blink move 
at every state of its upgrade path mm-hmm. is plus like when people combine it with like a jump know, a, double a jump. double jump you know mm-hmm. and, and they struggle at times like sometimes like knowing where you can blink and whether a blink will work is really hit or miss it's going to be given really the bit. scope of that problem though like that worked really well for me it, like, did. I did. I it, it was really like, satisfying was as a game around thing like I kind of wonder if it's ameliorated somewhat by the fact that you go back to certain levels so often that you sort of build a functional relationship with those spaces so that you, you have an, an understanding of where you can go and what you can do. And it starts to teach you, like, you see the rail on top of a rooftop, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's now right. I understand yeah. straight-up feedback of whether, like, your icon will tell you you right. can make this or I not. Thought like, there's never a moment yeah. where you just have to let go of the button and, and hope that you're going to get something. <laughs> right? <laughs> it will. It will yeah. And then when... And it also tells you when you're trying to do something that's almost subversive, you know, like where it's like only at the height of a second jump do you have like a fraction of a second at which you could then blink somewhere. So you'll quickly see like the icon mm-hmm. flash. And it's like because of that, you feel like, okay, I'm trying to do something. Maybe I'm not even supposed to or, you know, even though you are, right? And so it feels like, I don't know, I'm, I'm accepting of the fact I'm making a challenging jump here. It's not the kind I'm going to make like when I'm running away from guys that I've alerted or something, but right. like just when I'm. I mean, like, how do you guys feel uh, about, like, story elements where, you know, I mean, obviously, like, story elements where they take shit away, like, control away from you and stuff, like, I don't know, people have mixed feelings about that, but it's like, this game, like, so much of the story is told, like, if you want it stuff, right? You talked about that heart earlier, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, like, this game has, like, more optional dialogue than anything I've seen outside of, like, maybe Oblivion. And it changes based on how you're playing, right? Yeah, so it's like, yeah. oh, not, 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 not just optional dialogue, I mean, I also mean, like, written stuff. Like I've never seen a yeah, thing yeah, with like yeah. so much lore. The like, text is dense, in this. and like, there's you like really books, have to commit. scrolls, letters everywhere. Yeah, it's like, there's something about that though. That's I mean, it's always going to be like tertiary level information in that stuff because I mean you've decided it's okay that no one sees or is exposed to any of this stuff. So to me, I mean, that's great that it's there. I always appreciate when it's there. But what I like more is when they've decided how are we going to get information to people about the world and about like about the story without letting people have to press a button to see it where they just, you know, so like one of the most successful talk about missions in that game is the, I forget the official name, but you're, you're basically going to the ball, the Boyle mansion. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah the Boyle mansion. And I mean, just it's set up in such a way that you see this <coughs> amazingly opulent mansion separated by a canal and then a complete fucking slum of, you know, pestilence and disease on the other side. And then, uh, as you're at a, a remove from it, you know you see all the celebration, the fireworks and stuff, and then you go, you, you pass through the slum, and then work your way into this decadence, but through layers. You know, first you're on the outside, and you have to find a way in, and you start mm-hmm. to be exposed to, you know, what are the personalities of these people that are in attendance here? What do they think of one another? Yeah, they're shitty. Just from them like ta- saying things to one another as you mm-hmm. pass by them, and then once you're actually in the place itself, and so, I mean, just walking around a giant dinner table with, like, you know, like a fucking 20-foot-long sturgeon buffet on it and just hearing people in mass chit-chat as you're trying to find your quarry, you mm-hmm. know, I'm trying to get information about them. I mean, that, that's a tremendous way, I think, to tell a story. And, it's again, that's not knocking, you know, a book I can sit in a corner and read, but I think it's... Um, that's the, it's a much bigger challenge. It's, it's, it's fairly easy to write a bunch of text and place it somewhere in a probable item, and it's more difficult to have your enti- every aspect of your entire level tell that's the story. A, I think that's a really great point. Like I really hadn't thought about that in that level, but looking back on it now, that was a pretty tremendous achievement that you went in there not knowing a whole lot, and you, re- you had to learn 
who who the uh, who the targets were, and you picked up all this additional information just by walking around and actually through interaction, yeah, talking, right. not reading be, notes. That and, must be so daunting <clears throat> as a writer to create all of this text and this fiction and this dialogue that people have to uh, can say and players might hear, but they, they don't might need hear. it. Right? Yeah, it's like well, it's inessential but interesting. Sure, and, and, but there can also be that player that goes and throws grenades and just goes nuts just get, too, yeah, yeah, like yeah. and, they, and the, that way that the target will change. Like that, the the mm-hmm. the sister the in question is different, right. is different right. which color she's wearing. Speaking of like just on that same level of of how happenstance will determine like the way I play. I was chasing shit broke loose and I was chasing the target, but then the other two sisters ran into the room at the exact same time. One of them got in the way of my swing as I was trying to take one out. Oh, no. <laughs> so at that point, it was just the same thing. So I was like, well, and I chopped them all down. And yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, now no one lives. Yeah, I, like I did that The that most violent episode and... of Monty, Monty yeah. Python yeah. ever. Or Benny Hill. Jesus, man. I would just, every time that happened in that game, I would do it basically till I was dead. Or I'd screwed up, but like I, I would just That's go out way, killing everything. You, you know? It's basically suicidal behavior because instead of you don't want to feel like such a freak that you just hit the fucking reload button the second you heard right. someone around the corner go, "I know you're there." Right. So instead, right, right. you just start wasting all. I mean, that's a good opportunity to try powers and stuff. Exactly. Too, without worrying yeah. about mana because you're going to get it, you know. Yeah, I think that's the first time in the game that you run into one of the organ grinders that can disable your powers. Yeah. Oh yes. yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, I think the most interesting videos of Dishonored that have come out of it from the community, too, aren't the ones that are the people playing stealthy. Like, that's as interesting as reading a guide telling you how to do it, but it's the people that can play that game super aggressively, yeah, yeah, successfully. Like the, the dude, like, like, throwing the grenade, they, using the wind in slow Yeah, like, there's like, a guy... Like, people over that, the fence to get that duelist before the, he There are people that will sprint, run under a table, Fuck. and while they're sliding under a table, they'll throw one of those <laughs> those uh, spring mines under the table so that when the guys run by chasing them, it blows off all their legs as they run past. Yeah. And then they're, like, <laughs> blinking through the air. Like, those are the guys that... Like, I, when I, I talked to Harvey Smith at one point, and he's like, we want people to be able to play, like... Sam Fisher or like Darth Maul if they want and it's true like you can totally be that it's going to be really interesting to see how the powers change in the DLC because they give you a new character who operates in slightly different ways um, with but, no moral compass you right exactly been, that's exactly it right like anything about this yeah one. me neither so the DLC you play is Dowd the the main villain at okay. the very end so you, he's you not a, the main villain well he's, well, he's, he's a villain he's the perpetrator the head of Spoiler. the brotherhood okay there you go right. so you end up playing as him, and he his blink power operates in a different way. He has it's less It's like powers. instantaneous, too. Yeah, and it's it's not like a, a, streak. a warp. It's just like... A blink. Yeah, it's a real blink. Oh, wow. It's a real blink. Yeah, he just... He's another chosen. Yeah. So, it, exactly, like Arthur said, it's it's going to make me interested to see how they develop that story. Because if, if Dishonored's story is about, well, what happens if I do X versus Y in terms of do I kill someone or do I not mm-hmm. because of the plague and this and this and my own moral compass. If I'm this guy who doesn't give a shit about the the world or the people in it, what's the benefit of playing non-lethal? Or is there mm-hmm. that even going to be mean, an option? Like I say that, but that's actually not the case because he does have a moral compass because you you realize that he he has second thoughts about the things that he's done. I uh, I think it's interesting that that game was also able to be as successful as it was. Like comparatively just, speaking, yeah, it was pretty pretty good. Yeah, like I'm not saying it was like like, but for Bethesda, it did really well for them. And I just think that that seemed like it would have been a hard game to make people care about. A game called Dishonored good, with a skull face guy. That's the first good Bethesda published game that wasn't an Elder Scrolls or yeah. a Fallout game. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, I just don't think that most people that go to a store they don't think, oh, Bethesda. I know that they're just like dude with sword face, skull face, and sword dishonored whatever that means like i just don't think that i'm surprised that that resonated with people as much you know 
might have just been the word of mouth too. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, extremely strong. It came out at game. a good time. Um, it had been a couple weeks since Borderlands had come out, and it was before everything else hit. Like that was that was good scheduling. I think Bethesda's it came out the same too. day as XCOM, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. It did. It did. Yeah, because I remember that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because I got them. It's both always reassuring. Same. I mean, in interviews too, Harvey um, and you know, Raphael both mentioned you know Bioshock, and it's just like that. There's you know at the time, how the fuck do you sell that? What is this? You know, um, so I agree. I mean, like if it's word of mouth, whatever it is, that if there's still room for quality to shine and and gain an audience, you know. Also, the art design in that game is so off of the mainstream, mm-hmm. like where it looks like the fucking puppets from Land of Confusion. And like it's like whale punk, mm-hmm. which is which is my favorite word. Whale the whale whole punk. thing is that like painterly, you know, aspect to it, which is amazing. I yeah. mean, without like, you don't even need like the highest quality textures or anything. It's just like right. the scenes are composed in such a way that everything sits as though it were it were composed by one painter. You know, it yeah. speaks well yeah. to yeah. its so visual some design. Some games can have that thing where it looks like five different painters did a jam. You know, and it's like this <laughs> building here in the sky was done by someone else. You know. Yeah, it's it's one of it's one of the few games that transcends like the Unreal Engine three sort of look mm-hmm. that uses Unreal Engine three. I was initially disappointed by the uh, it, it felt more, I guess I, I guess kind of linear in a way that I was expecting. Like I, I wasn't expecting it to be mission based. I hadn't read a lot about it before. You thought it was going to be more of an open world game. Yeah, and that every time it's like, oh, I have to get back on the boat again. Oh, so we're just doing this thing. Like he's just going to haul me over there and then i'm gonna come back and I'm but gonna i rest in between i kind of like it because you come back to the same spaces so often but you come back after there's been enough time for the dumb shit you may or may not have done to have an effect yeah that's true mm-hmm. like the the weeper problem in dunwall that mm-hmm. was almost entirely my fault <laughs> oh yeah it was 100 yeah, percent my yeah, fault yeah i did that too um how could you not right who knew right who knew who knew um, jeff you know d- to use that as a transition because those games came out on the same day it's like interesting too that like it's like you have deus ex and XCOM, and they both came out and it's like they're also like these legacy games that are like yeah kind of like you know revivals of games that are from yeah a long time ago um <laughs> but uh did you how did you feel about XCOM? i loved XCOM, and and you know i picked that as my game of the year for a couple sites that i that i wrote on you can say other game sites on um, this podcast other other yeah it's a giant X. bomb uh, giant, I posted on Giant Bomb. I talked about it on Gamers with Jobs too, um, and I, you know, I, it could that was I, I picked that as my game of the year. Mostly, like there was definitely some nostalgia, you know, personal love for the franchise. Were that, you surprised that, that your it. nostalgia and personal love for the franchise didn't poison? Yeah, I was going to say because you know some people are like no time points, none of this, and they're like, I didn't understand those guys. That, to me, that was just like, what the fuck well, do you want, man? I don't like, even mean like what they were Jesus, saying. You got a new mean, XCOM game in 2012 that didn't suck. I mean, Shut more up. the like walking into that game as a fan of the original series was there. Were you worried about it? Well, I wasn't worried once I started reading previews, reading interviews with these guys. Okay, when it was announced. Yes. Okay. <laughs> when it was announced, I was worried. But once I heard where they were coming from, I mean, first of all, it's Firaxis. So you, right. The, 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 right there, you're, you've got a, a studio with an incredible legacy. But just what they were talking about in terms of what they wanted to do, their respect for the original. I mean, they were saying all the right things <clears throat> to, to an old fan like me that made me think like, okay, these guys get 
why this game was so popular. They're not just trying to do a FPS of XCOM or whatever. They fully understood Aww. what they were dealing with. I'm, hey, maybe that's going to be... blow. That could be good, too. Maybe it will be good. That I'm game not, doesn't exist anymore. I'm not saying that... Oh, well, that one doesn't. That's no, right. That but I, I'm not saying that other games exist. in that universe wouldn't be cool. But that this particular, remaking this, they they seemed, they were touching on the things that, that were important to me. And so, yeah, you, like I can nitpick and say, okay, well, they didn't have night missions, they didn't have this or that from the from the first game, but really, they got so much that was right um, that I just thought it was wonderful. Um, and most importantly, I think it was the attachment that you have to your squad, and which is all because of permadeath, which is weird, right? Right. I, I hate permadeath and and other things, but. This right. game, it just works so and well. And in the beginning, I was totally playing it you know, that way. As soon as one of my guys would die, I would reload. Every time. Coward. I was crawling Live through the game. consequences, Jeff. Yeah, and then somebody, somebody reamed me out or shamed me on Twitter <laughs> yeah. for that. I forget who it was. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's right. I shouldn't do that. And so I stopped doing that, and I just Dude, let all my guys a, die. you have a fucking life. <laughs> well, I know. Well, there was that. That's how I was balancing God. it. It was, a, yeah. So I, I, and that's how I finished the game finally, was I let people die, because otherwise it was taken to Oh man, that last mission is brutal if you don't have a good I just love the fact that the, instead of time points, like, I've always used action points and stuff too, every turn-based yep. game I've ever played, but I liked that they, like, made it to where there was just two actions per turn. Like, that just was an easy-to-grasp system that made sense immediately. I thought it, I thought it was great. I that mean, also gave them room to add powers to play with it a little bit. Like and and, it, and they managed to adapt this turn-based game to work great on consoles too. Like I thought that was a that really was great phenomenal thing. that they did that. Yeah, yeah, like it. I played it on both, and I thought it was like I wasn't like oh the console one feels like such a a pain in the ass to do commands or anything mm-hmm. like that. But it was just like the interface stuff they did was so brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I'm noticing that in uh, uh, Skulls of the Shogun too. Uh, so far, I'm only a little bit into it, but the, they, they've done a great job there of of converting a, a turn-based. Uh, not converting because it's built for this, but of making a turn-based strategy game work on the Xbox. I'm really glad to hear that too because that game's been in development for like three years or something. It's been a long time coming. So it's supposed to be out in the fall too. It looks beautiful. Um, wait, when's it coming out? It, it was supposed out. to be out in the fall, but now yeah. it's like next week. Yeah, originally it okay. was like oh, it'll be out by the end of November, guys. Wait, it was supposed to be with Windows 8. I got a code. It's a EA game. No. no, 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 no. Jeff's just got hookups still. I, think I have hookups. Is Microsoft right. publishing? Well, I, I came in. I came in and uh, helped those guys a little bit early on. Um, just I did some like they just needed some bodies to test to you know. Former member of the press, testing. Billy Berghammer, is doing PR for that game. I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. I, I recently uh, I checked out the StarCraft expansion recently, and it just made me think of you guys because when I was there, I was like. They still have somewhere like uh, the old GFW covers. Uh, oh, shit. And I just thought that was interesting that, like, you guys wrote a magazine about that game, several covers about that game, yes. right? And it's like, it's here we are, only 2013, yeah. and we're going to get, yeah, the second of three pieces. Right. It's incredible. This much farther, this much later, yeah. It's this, infuriating, yeah. is what it is. <laughs> they are very slow. They are, but like I mean, Popcap is. I mean um, they can afford to be. I guess I can't. Uh, I have to say, though, um, this last WoW expansion, that's when I, I, I guess, officially, though I didn't really think about it, was out. Me I, too. I still don't have it. Oh, I bought it. And I was And like I played it head. for, like, four days, and, I, and then I was like, I realized that I finally, like... Like, you know, some people never had patience for it. Like, Arthur, like, it just doesn't... The yeah. MMO grind well, no, never really so appealed. So, when I... I, I baited WoW... But I'm saying the MMO grind never really appealed to you I, that much. I don't want to play the same game 
over and over exactly. and over again. So for me, I could do it for like six years, <laughs> me too. but I've officially hit that threshold <laughs> where I'm like, now when I play it or like when I saw Elder Scrolls online and I was like, it looks like, wow, like I'm just like so burnt out on that now. I, that I, just, I will, I, it's I never been for me, but I will never shit talk wow because I cannot think of any game that has ever existed that that many people have played for that long. I played that game for so goddamn like, long. Like, cause we're rolling into yeah. year nine. On yeah. WoW. And that everyone has played at some point. Yeah. 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 Even that I they still, playing that. like That's that they're, they're going into year nine and they still have like at least 7 million active subscribers. It's, Incredible. Which is more than like every other pay MMO combined. Do you think they're done? Like, is Pandaria the last one? No, it's a hundred percent not. They've said as much. Okay. I'm pretty sure that they at least want to do. There's seven million active subscribers. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine. I, you know, yeah, I, I mean, they still do EverQuest expansions and I, they're I, profitable. That's right. They still yeah. do EverQuest one ex- <laughs> exactly. I, yeah, I resubbed uh, in. Uh, wow, I let it lapse for a while, and right before Pandaria, because I thought I would get back into it. It's almost like paying tribute at this point. It's like I don't play you, but fuck, man, way to go. I know. You. Actually, going. I'm still subscribed, so they're getting 15 bucks a month <laughs> for me. Just to, I guess I'm f- supporting them in some way. It's my own personal Kickstarter for Blizzard. <laughs> but, for um, but I realized when in playing it and resubbing, I just was like, I'm done. Like I enjoyed it again. I was having fun. I leveled up. You know, I tried something a new class or whatever that I hadn't since last time. But after I was just like, I can't. I can't play games like this anymore. I yeah. can't. That game I'm is older devote. than the fucking consoles we're playing right now. That's crazy. That game is an example too of the way that community has dro- driven like the direction of the game to like in a pretty unprecedented ways. Like in EverQuest, it didn't matter what people bitched about. They were like, "This is the game. This is what you fucking have to deal with." Too bad. And but in, in WoW, it's like if enough people are like, oh, "I quit because I wanted to be." Uh, a goblin paladin they'll be like fuck it well, you can now well, be a goblin true. paladin yeah, it's in there true. fuck it we don't care anymore we'll fuck our lord to death because I mean, it just doesn't matter they used to care i mean they did but i'm not, saying but i'm saying like over yeah, time all over the things time. that that people were like well i don't like that i'm gonna quit because of it they're like it's gone it's yeah, gone now just right, come back right. <laughs> well enough years have passed and it's like well why should they hold on to that right it's like okay everybody gets a mount almost immediately exactly just go ahead and ride around what I mean, lowering the barrier to entry is not a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing. No, I'm just saying, but that used to be such an MMO thing that the barrier to entry was fucking brutal, and you know, oh, that yeah. was just part of the accomplishment and why you oh, played yeah. for weeks on end, and now they're just like, I don't know, just enjoy the end game. The thing about it that's surprising now is that WoW can continue to be WoW, but no one else can do what WoW does and find an audience. Yeah, well, Tortron, because everyone's like, I'm already fair. that deeply ingrained in WoW, but I don't want to do it again in a game that does just the same I'm thing I'm surprised that people Even if keep Star Wars. Even I, if it's Star Wars. I see that from the very start of that thing. I just was like, why? I played why That was actually this? the last time I played it for a month. I loved it. Did you? Yeah. I loved it hard for one month. Yeah, me too. For that free month that I got, I played the shit. I got like 150 hours. Played it like a drug addict loved everything about it it was like my first real exposure to an mmo so i mm-hmm. had the same experience that you guys all did with yeah. wow in like yeah. 2004 and when my free month ended and it was like sorry we can't process your credit card could you re-enter your info i said nope and never went back <laughs> I, they like, got that me, was all i need you don't miss it i bet no not they, at all they got me with oh well it's kotor three four five and i was like i gotta find out and yep. I played it for like 20 hours. I'm like, this isn't fucking Code for 3, 4, and 5. Mm-hmm. I just yeah, feel like bullshit. making an MMO these days has got to be... Like, I just, yeah, that's why when I saw that... Uh, I guess they're taking signups now for the Elder Scrolls, Elder Scrolls online. I saw it on Twitter and I just was like, I'm so not interested. I can't believe it. Yeah. And I love the Elder Scrolls oh, universe. That's how I feel I, too. I, I, I have nothing but respect for Bethesda, but it's like, I don't want to play an MMO. Well, it's like again. Secret World came I'm out. And I, and I thought Age of Conan looked... When we played that back in the day... 
I had fun with it for like the month that we did, and we tried Pirates of the Burning Sea, and I thought all these were fun. So, yeah, but like, but like when I saw, well, when I saw like <coughs> uh, Secret World, and despite how cool people were telling me the story was, and despite the fact that I love The Longest Journey and Dreamfall, it was, Dreamfall, just, it was just I could not bring myself to do it. Yeah, because at this well, point I'm just so burnt s- out in MMOs. Are you still playing Planet Side? Yeah, but Planet Side is different. Sure. Yeah. Obviously, Planet Side. Like, you don't. Totally yeah. Exactly. And I'm just wondering it's, if, like, is this the game. is Planet Side like the next step for you for as an MMO player, like as someone who loved WoW? Are you now looking? More yeah. If I'm going to play something or? that's a big environment, like I love shooters, right? So it's like, I love shooters, but uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying, Planet Side uh, to no. me is just a a game that I love because it's it is such a fun battlefield okay, game. So it's not yeah. necessarily and, like and the fact that it's an MMO is cool, but it doesn't matter to okay, me. Okay, so it's not the MMO element. No, I don't. Okay. I like the the character progression. All that is like it takes really long, and to me that's not even important. Like to me, all that I do is I go in there to have a fun firefight with my friends, like right. for an hour. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I think, like I, I realized, like I played some uh, Guild Wars two, and did you really? And then I quit. Like I played okay. that for about an hour. I realized the only thing that would get me into MMOs MMO. was friends. And then I'd play with friends, and I realized, and this is when I sort of declared it probably my last MMO, is that I realized that I play, I would even enjoy playing them for different reasons than them. Like, they would immediately just want, it was all about the grind. They want to get the levels. Outranking one another. And, like, so every time, you know, I'm living a fucking, you know, working man's life, I come back after And they're 14 levels higher than you. Can't play with you, Sean. They want to show me content in the way it's, like, showing, (laughs) instead of us experiencing it together. And then that, and I realized the thing I really only really enjoy, because... The combat and stuff isn't interesting to me. It just devolves into repetition and pressing the same buttons, you know, that I like to just explore the space and I like to just work my way through the world and see the range of environments. And like, mm-hmm. I, they just mercilessly mocked me for that and talked about like the handholding duty of just like letting me see the stupid fucking sights in my virtual tourism board. I felt the <laughs> same way with Borderlands. And I was like, when I realized yeah. that I had no one in there that even shared that goal, I was like, there's no reason for me to play this genre of game unless there's a, there's a very significant I mean, it seems like the secret in- world might like fulfill that role yeah but even there's still, a lot to see and explore in that game by yourself even if i was playing with someone in mmo who wanted to play the way you just described it, i'd be like what the fuck's wrong with you we need yeah. to get out of this dumb yeah, forest exactly. fast for we me, can it's just the virtual silk road thing like of you know like how conan basically took the world and <laughs> and the kingdoms we know and and you know turn them into a fantasy thing and feeling like you know you're moving from a desert now you're in mountains and you descended those into a jungle and then out you came some other place i just like that continuity <laughs> of exploration and it's fun to me and like the narrative that develops over the course of you know if i play it three times over the week and it's like i started at one point at the beginning of the week and i basically hoofed it across to you're about a journey place. i'm about yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm like doing math when i you're play so those games uh, yeah. i used to love that in everquest back in the day too because it would that game was so dangerous too that's that was different yeah. you know you couldn't really go anywhere without just like totally dying yeah you know and and so it was always like exciting yeah, and scary to actually go stuff. into another and then zone. once you because once you see what's there and what inhabits it it doesn't really matter it's time to move on because it's really just at that point it's just going to be the same thing where you're grinding you, yeah. you have five fucking number keys and then you know yeah. and you just yeah. keep on pressing them and pressing them and pressing them and which is like plant side for i mean the skill basis i mean like there i'm sure there's a level of mastery for like serious wild players that do pvp and stuff you know all of them, course but the level of like you turn on planet side, it's like just straight up competition, all always, all the time. You know, I, when I quit WoW, I felt like free. <laughs> I, I felt, I felt like I'd been released from. You got prison. the monkey off your back. It's like yeah. moving out of your parents' place. Exactly. Like, I'll never I, not be a WoW player. There's this whole universe of games I can play now because every game felt like I was cheating on WoW when like I was playing WoW. Pitfall on iOS. Pitfall on <laughs> iOS being an example. Yeah. Exciting. 
I was gonna say for you, Sean, is uh, is Company Heroes two the game that you're most looking forward to this year? As like someone that's put in literally over a thousand hours into that fucking game. You know this side of uh, of like my dreams coming true of uh, <coughs> Valve saying, "Hey, here's our our platform. We're launching our new engine on it. We're launching Half Life three on it, and it uses you know uh, what is it, Orbis or whatever." Um, Oh, Oculus Rift. What do we uh, say on our Rift. magazine? A new um, Half Life every every three months, three months. or something. <laughs> Believe it. You guys saw the like the <laughs> screenshots of the the Half Life expansions that Arcane was working on, right? Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Half Life Two Episode Five. I didn't see those screens. Yeah, uh, like an episode. Not only that, but to Ravenholm. Wow. Yeah. 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 Yeah, crazy. That that sounds about right, though. Their studio sounds. I mean, sounds like there's some similarities in the way we do things. Like you just you take five stuff, years you to finish anything, stuff, and you if it's and not then you cut. where you think you need to be going, and you realize that belatedly. So irrational to go Linux exclusive. Mm-hmm. Maybe so, but yeah. Other, <laughs> other than like some uh, some mystery like that, you know, some surprise release. Like, absolutely looking forward to Company Heroes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I hope that uh, you know Sega now publishing that it's still able to be released on the on the date that the pre is up for. I think that one is the most likely to actually hit the target date because Sega is so anti retail at this point and yeah, they could use it. Yeah, I, I think every time I played the game I had fun, but it was only like short time so I couldn't tell what was broken or anything like that, but yeah, there's some things that I find pretty worrisome like it was me- a beta. It was an alpha, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. But I'm just saying like like just the fact that there's mirror matches alone, like that seems like something to me that's going to be potentially really troublesome that game seems like it's going to be incredibly difficult to balance that's what i'm saying i don't even get involved in that like i mean like you know rory's exact same way and it's like because what else are you going to talk about about an unreleased game but when it comes to like an rts it's like i just wait and see like you can't make that genre of game without creating a million problems for yourself and it's until you see how they've solved them and how they're going to continue to solve them like i don't know i just the continuing to solve things. I always thing. give them the benefit of the doubt when they've got a good track record. Yeah, and the continuing mm-hmm. to solve things is an important part of that. Like, even the guys at Blizzard, when I was talking about Heart of the Swarm multiplayer balance and stuff, because, you know, they've been having the beta going forever, they're like, when we release the game one, we will not release it balanced. Like, they just acknowledge mm-hmm. that. Like, it's yeah. just like, because then once it gets in the hands of, like, exponentially more players, they know that right. people it's are going to hunt down honest. exploits. Yeah, it's like your, your sample set, even if you have just, like, the biggest testing group and you've done, like, a huge open beta, it's there's always something else you know it's like uh you know uh absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence you know like there's eventually going to be some person that comes along and finds a way that this shit you thought was rock solid is completely exploitable is you know so that i think yeah the most important thing is to know that they have the support to continue to just to patch it and to respond yeah, I mean, that's the good thing about Relic now getting closed, right? Because if like, they had gotten closed and someone was just like, we're just going to ship Company Heroes and then yep. it's just out there, this is how it is or something like that, Like that would have been like worst case scenario. People shouldn't freak either, too, when like, patches aren't forthcoming like every single month because um, it's easy to overreact, too. Similarly, like people think that they've found some shit that is just like you know strictly superior tactic. And if you don't ride it out and wait you know like you you'll never know like if you jump the gun and you're paranoid and you're trying to balance against that if you would have waited another month it might that sort of metagame might have just vanished because it was found <clears throat> completely like weak in the first place i actually it, talked to them about this last year um when i saw it for the first time um and i think that they looked at like the way the game is designed it is designed with the ability to patch it much more quickly 
to make changes without the massive like sequential patch uh, issues that the last one had. One. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, Company of Heroes first of all had so many patches, and second of all, it was such a pain in the ass to install all mm. of them. I think uh, <laughs> one thing that's interesting is the way like uh, the guys from Planet Side are handling it, which is like when balance issues and stuff come up in the community now and they see that people are talking about it, they're publicly releasing the actual, like, like basically like the math behind the game to let people see it. That was interesting. Uh, I saw a Reddit hmm. thread and it, it it looked like they had, and this is a, you know, good crowdsourcing. They had basically uncovered, uh, an incorrectly entered, uh, figure on one of the weapons yeah. That they probably might not have known about, you know, it was yeah. simple as that. I, and that's you know, why they're doing it. It's a decimal point off and, and wow. just people pouring through, uh, we're able to see that. And they also like are doing it to change people's perceptions. Cause like right now, Planet said people are complaining about certain vehicles being overpowered, but they look and they're like, this vehicle is getting 50% kill death ratio, which is exactly where, where it should be. So perce- like they're basically trying to challenge people's perceptions by presenting really the smart. actual information mm-hmm. of how it's actually going down server wide mm-hmm. to see. And they're also letting people vote for directions of changes they want made to the game too. Like, cool. like they're, they're laying out their production schedule for the game going forward. Yeah. Wow. And then they'll shift priorities of, for production based on how the community says they want it to go. <laughs> which is interesting for an MMO, you know, because yeah. most of the time it's just like, you get what you get. We have this production schedule laid out like th- for years in advance, and that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. We should so. all be playing. I mean, it didn't help that I'm on an East Coast server, but... Um, I joined the East Coast server because you did. Okay. Our Vanu one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just... Definitely the, the game Fucking for the more the merrier. I mean, that game I still just, haven't got to it. Like, to me, I just yeah, don't understand like, with that game out now. I just don't understand why I would ever play Battlefield, like, like as opposed to that. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, it just depends, I guess. Like, I'm not going to ruin it, you know. I mean, Battlefield is easier comes on out, your computer. It's always so fucking attractive. You <laughs> okay, know? yes. Like, but right now, yeah, I'm, like, that's my game of that of, of choice of that style. Yeah, I want Battlefield Bad Company 3. Is there We're a reason that, that Planetside clicked with you as opposed to, say, something like Project Black or like Blacklight? Blacklight Retribution? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not to knock Retribution, but it was very familiar to me. Um, and I think I like, when I'm playing a game like that, I feel as though, like, for the most part, the skill set required to, to succeed, you know, to dominate, um, it's if it fits in a pretty narrow, you know, band of, like, you know, are you fucking fast at aiming? You know, are you like? Would you uh, compare it to the sort of dichotomy between like Call of Duty versus Battlefield? Yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah, it, yeah, perfect. Yeah, just because you know, there's always the chance that like, if you're having a horrible experience, you can just sort of like rewrite the conditions for yourself. So if you if you find yourself in an impossible defense scenario, you know, you're defending the crown, and both the other two armies are ganging up on you, it's miserable. You're dying every second. Just look at the map. Say. Fuck it, I'm going to go on, like, a powerful offense over here, or, like, I'm going to fly for a while. This is the usual Battlefield shit, you know, but even more. There are more dimensions, and there are more ways to engage in fun, but different, qualitatively different behavior in that game. Can That's, you get uh, points, or, or however it's calculated, without, in non-combat ways? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and through repairs. And it gives you all sorts of assist yeah. points. You can do it in, in on a scale that you'll never get, even in other games with support classes, you know, like yeah. TF2 or Battlefield or something, because there's, like... If you're part of like a fight that's just hundreds of people mm-hmm. and you're throwing down health packs or whatever, you're you're reviving people. Like there's just so many fucking opportunities to that's revive cool. people that yeah. they're getting massacred or just for them to soak up the health that you're like, you know, that you're giving them. Yeah. I, I had to retire from I retired from combat duty 
based on yeah. aging reflexes. So, I, like I found in, in Battlefield, I, I could have a medic. combat fluffer in that game. And never, never <laughs> what I need now, what I need is a desk job. Yeah. I'd like to just be I, sitting in an me, office. And, I, I had to get glasses. I, I, glasses. Yeah, I just find the, the one thing about Planetside that kind of surprises me is uh, I actually feel like they're too generous with their with their free to play stuff like i don't know like just like as someone that looks at them like i just don't know how they plan on making money with that game i'm sure they are man i mean how much have you spent i've never spent any money in it what, what do they charge bucks, so. okay you're well kidding. never mind then fucking tightwad too dude but why? okay but why you're a whale just you're a planet side whale yeah just because i for, for reason, you know but i'm saying what are you buying you're experience boost something fucking kills you no, I've just straight up bought access to different weapons, and I okay. love playing every vehicle. And like the way that the timers, acquisition timers, work on vehicles, you know. So it's like, yeah, if you, you've just had a tank of this class, you have to wait a certain amount of time, right? Plus, have resources available, so that naturally pushes you over to try another vehicle. And then you're running all these timers in this juggle, so it's like you know. And every time I do that, I'm like, fuck! I wish I had this weapon on this vehicle, or like I'll be playing like a max suit, which is basically like an armored assault suit, and. You can deck it out for anti-aircraft duty if you want with two... Um, A guns. Yeah, or you can deck it out for anti-infantry with Gatling guns and stuff. And um, you, you just always find yourself in the situation. You know, you just... I'm playing one second and I took out an infantry assault. And then next thing I see, like, tons and tons of aircraft coming in. I'm like, fuck, I want the anti-air guns, so... Just so what do you pay? Spend well, like, some fucking space bucks. And so how wow, much you, you are that ideal customer, yeah, man. Know, yeah. So what does it cost? What's an average? I bought. They have like these special three for one days where like you get. <laughs> I'm an addict, dude. Like I've been maxing extreme couponing for fucking. <laughs> <laughs> this exists. So dude, check this out, Rory. <laughs> He he was a step above me. I only knew about three for one space bucks. Right, he buys his space bucks through a website. He, no, he buys them at Walmart, which he Jesus. he fucking despises, and he's ashamed to go there because at Walmart you actually for fifteen dollars you get twenty dollars worth of credit, and then he would hoard those until three for one days, so he would get an extra you know the five dollars would become fifteen dollars bonus. So wait, these things that you buy are not persistent; they're just for like the- no, they're persistent. Oh, okay, they're, they're persistent, and you upgrade them. The things you bu- you you can you can unlock them just uh-huh. through persistent play uh-huh. but you can't upgrade anything you buy without like points acquired through play okay so it's like i'm getting so i get the dual bursters that's the word i was looking for for the aa guns but then i can't buy any upgrades for those until i like you know just, experience. Just through play through experience oh wow so you can't just pay your way up to it's a it's a, it's a fucking great feedback loop right mm-hmm. it's like you get killed by something you're like oh i want that so then you buy it and you're like well fuck i need to upgrade it so then you go back to playing, and then you know. I see. So you can't just on. buy all the coolest shit without no plaid. Their big, their big terminology was always side grades, right? There's always yeah. like a sacrifice for uh-huh. everything that you switch out. Um, but do you have to pay to be good at this game? No, no, no not no. at all. That's that's why I'm saying like I feel like it's really liberal with it to the point where you never need to spend money. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. I can't give you shit though. I've spent over two hundred dollars in League of Legends. But there's the other thing. It's like yeah, the, the experience boosters, like you're saying. Like I've bought experience I mean, boosters. It's hard not to want to get those. I haven't used any of that yet. But. I think the last free-to-play game I fed money into is Battlefield Heroes like four years ago. Oh, wow. You, yeah. picked, you chose poorly. 
I like that, is that game. game still around? It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Cool. They're still doing like costume updates and map it packs. It looks more and more like Team Fortress 2. All oh, yeah. Time. I remember seeing, I would get emails about how there's now like, you know, wizards and fucking vampires and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be like, wait, did I read that right? There's like EA crossover. You can get like fucking Isaac Clark costumes and shit. It's crazy. It's just a way for them to market like whatever game they have coming. Sure. I'm sure that there's like a SimCity costume. It's really fun. Oh, right. Wait, so yeah. since that's EA and PopCap owns EA, there should be some PopCap. Uh, there probably should be. Yeah, you can be some zombies. Like stuff yeah, and... where's the unicorn head, the Jeff Green skin? Go. We right. know what Jeff is doing on Monday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, I have a million email. dollar idea here, yeah. guys. Uh, <laughs> or at least a couple hundred thousand but yeah. suckers out there. <laughs> I just I just think it's interesting like that the free to, like honestly, Sean, you're like one of the last people I thought would ever get on like yeah, throwing money down for free-to-play stuff. But I so. never like, you know, all those MMOs I played, like I'd only... You, know, you only do it for the free month. For the first month, the free yeah. one, yeah. And I and I would like immediately, you know, I was religious about getting like my cancellation on there, so I don't just get the automatic resub. Yeah. It's absolutely insane how much money people will pay for these things. So because I mean, you, these you ostensibly free something. things, you're paying way more than you would have ever paid for a yeah. box game, right? And well, you start off point, by legends for you. Yeah, you start off by being willing, I think, to pay up to like suggested retail price for like a game of that scope. And it's like the moment I realized, I'm like, man. <laughs> Because I spent I spent some money on uh, Company Heroes Online too when that was you know out in beta, yeah. and it's like I've you're already you're such had, a dutiful fan. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I've already like played so much of this game that like it's I've had more fun with it than other games I paid sixty bucks for than I can justify spending that much money. Even if they make it worse and worse with every expansion, it's funny that you say that because. Uh, <laughs> Because less than five percent of people, like when they design a free to play game, it's with the knowledge that less than five percent of oh, people will ever spend money. Five percent is actually a lot, right? It's just interesting because, like, uh, I have plenty of friends that I play League of Legends with who have never spent anything but in-game currency. Whereas for me, it's like you said, Sean. Like, and it's funny that uh, I think one of the best things multiplayer free to play games have for getting people to buy things. And I think we'll only see it more is when you get your ass beat by something. It makes you mm-hmm. want to buy something else. It, like, that's like the best. Getting, like, like, just downright, like, I mean, I don't say diabolical. They're getting very smart about, like, <laughs> I was even watching people play, like, you know, like uh, the latest Bejeweled and stuff on yeah. iPad. And yeah. it's like every time that game's over, it's just like, hey, do you want to, like, actually get a high score? You know, like, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's three things you can buy. Or they're all so small. Each transaction right, is so small, small individually that. Right. It's like, you know, I just gave a bum a quarter. Might as well spend a quarter on this Blazing Steed gem. Yeah, they've, they've made, they've made uh, we have made it so that Bejeweled Blitz, you know, you can't really get a good score unless you use boost. Or I would say a good score, a, a score comparable to the other people who are using boosts. Right. Unless you uh, use the coins to buy the boosts. You can earn the coins like all these other games. You could earn them by playing, but you go through them so and fast. And they allow you to do it dirty, right? So, like, it's, you know, immediately you see, here all your Facebook friends as top yeah. scores, but it doesn't say that they're basically in the doping category. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't. You can dope. It doesn't. And no one's yeah. to know. It's just that's assumed true. everyone so, yeah, does Yeah, it. and what's like, frustrating is when you play... suspicion and then right. you tempt someone in order to do it to try to pull the wool over their eyes. And I wonder if... But everybody's doping. Sean, are you going to be the guy that tries to clean up Bejeweled? Clean up Bejeweled. But I know that we talked at the company about that, you know, 
was battered, batted around like, well, what if on the leaderboard we said what every, you know, here's how this guy got this. Here's the three power-ups he used. Right. I was for that. Yeah. But yeah. they don't they don't want to do that. I bet I that's mean, not the most profitable. No, I, I'm sure it's like, well, the profitable I don't know what I need to buy, so I'll just buy everything. Yeah. Right. And, and, and but what, what frustrating when people can cheat and, and be discreet about it. Like, it probably. It's not cheating. Well, it's not cheating. That they were going to have this, like, advertised to people. Uh-huh. I don't know if as many people would do it, right? It's like a sport yeah. of white people. It's just how much money you throw into it is like how well you're <laughs> right. doing it. But, you know, the truth is... It's, it's the, the same yachting thing. of free-to-play. <laughs> but what Anthony said is true here, too. Like, n- more than 95% of all players of Bejeweled, and there's millions of them, never pay a dime. Yeah. Ever. But they're just not but, serious about winning. Man. But there's this, right. But there's a ton of people. There, there's this group of people. You know, whatever the percent it is, three percent who pay so much money, it's insane. And yeah, part of you just wants to go like, oh my god, will you please quit our game? Because and the other part of you is the one that deposits your pitch. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that would be like amazing. Also, if you guys basically had like artificial high score generators that you'd periodically like, <laughs> that'd be great. That's genius. You'd overthrow someone, especially if you knew that they had like spent a lot of money. Yeah, like, I feel. Like we're in a deleted scene from The Running Man or something. Yeah, dude, wow, Sean, you, 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 you missed right. your calling. I, I'll <laughs> say too that uh, hey, you fuck, know, oh fuck this, dude. I'll show you a blazing steed. You know, <laughs> five bucks later. I, I hate. I, uh, like I, I w- the the biggest problem I have with the power set is I think it makes it makes people be lazy. <laughs> and bad bejeweled players like uh, like I can get all the coins I want for free right but but I have to, but, but I have to <laughs> sure but I have to but I, mean, I have I to make someone so happy like it's, really? it's really for someone we'll else. talk when, once we sure. once we hit stop I'm asking yeah, for a friend, for a friend. <laughs> but um but I, I stopped asking because I have to go through a couple hoops, and I and I don't like doing it. So I'm like, I'm just going to earn my coins like everybody. It's else. too much work oh to be God. lazy and bejeweled. Right. You'll never so get like you no, know, but I like can't. Cat's eye and shit. Like, right, I know they cost way too much. So so now that's right. So now I'm basically playing without any boost at all, which sucks. <laughs> However, I'm getting better at bejeweled again. At actually the point of the game back when it was first designed, which was you know how do you uh, link matches together and looking for ways you know to do combos and cascades of things where you actually do have to use some thinking but when you have all these insane power-ups you don't have to do anything, you know. Just I'm move waiting one for jewel. The, I'm waiting for the just, back in my. It turns part into Peggle, dude. It's just like shit's blowing up. And <laughs> hey, Peggle requires skill. You had to aim. Um, I we're gonna see a pretty crazy arms race for free to play when next generation shows up. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think even Very the league, true. the league model, they even acknowledge that it's it's dying at league this of point. What? Right? Really? Like, yeah. Oh, well, not that not that the game isn't doing really well. It is right, but. Let's say, for instance, with Dota 2, right? When Valve mm-hmm. finally takes that out of beta. Right now, you can buy your mm-hmm. way in for 30 bucks into their beta, right? Mm-hmm. And you, But but if you buy it for 30 bucks, even, you get every hero now and forever. They're all free. Really? Yeah, they're all free, and you get access to them all immediately. There's no cycles or anything like that. Why? Uh, Why is that considered a... Well, because in League... Uh, league of what? League of Legends. I say League. It drives them crazy. <laughs> but that's what you do once you're in. I'm just glad you don't say LOL. Um, but LOL. So once you're in, once in... But in League of Legends, the way that it works is... Champions are basically ten bucks, okay. you know, and, and, or you can buy them in some packs. But every sure. new one that comes out is ten bucks. Right. That's ten bucks for a champion. Or you can pay thirty bucks to play Dota, have all of the characters right off the bat and integrated into the Steam community. But why wouldn't Steam do that? Steam do, do the League of Legends model. I don't know because they think because they know that just by offering it yet as another free game on Steam, that with Team Fortress, 
like Team Fortress has made them so much money just off aesthetic items and Steam Workshop. Mm-hmm. They're doing the same thing. This already has Steam Workshop support. People can create items for mm-hmm. them. They don't even have to have their artists do it. And they're still making a profit on all the sales. So interesting. I was talking to the the guy who makes uh, Triple Town, uh, the Spry Fox guys. I don't know if you guys know this guy. I know Triple yeah. Town. But, uh, you know, he... Uh, we, had he a, we had a leaderboard in our he, office. Uh, <laughs> so they added something early on where you can, uh, you know, un- you can have unlimited moves forever for yeah. five bucks, right? Which we probably... I did it. Fuck most, yes, most I people, did. Right, right. But he now will say that he regrets that they did that <laughs> because everybody did it and now they can't get any more money out of people. So in the, in his ideal world, he would have taked that back. Would like a buck for 24 hours And then he did the short con instead of the long con. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I just feel like what I'm saying, I guess, is just with League of Legends, I feel like it's going to become untenable for them to charge that much for, yeah, for new heroes at some point. Like That's when they bring out League of Legends 2. They're going to have to find some new market because if Valve's mm-hmm. willing to be like, eh, we don't have to charge money for all of our characters, you know, it mm-hmm. puts them in a really... Well, no, because for them, Dota 2 is as much about making people download Steam. Exactly. That's the thing. For them, it's about getting them into their ecosystem. So And then trying to sell them Linux. I don't know, man. I just think that League of Legends is going to have a lot of trouble. Not that it matters to them. Like, they have enough money at this point. And they still have 20 million players, unique players a month. Like, they're doing quite well for themselves. I'm just waiting but, for Planet of Legends. Uh, well, the way if you talk to them, they plan on supporting League of Legends for a long time going forward. I mean, 20 million players, you know. And that could mean so many things. I, I, I don't know. Like, like I would, How do you, like, stop supporting a free-to-play game? Like, if you just release a new free-to-play game, then, like, you're still... All those people can just jump into the new thing. I guess the, th- the smartest thing would be basically with free-to-play is when someone told me is why... Like, it's like the Triple Town guy. <laughs> the reason he regrets it is because... You never give someone an option where they can stop giving you money. Like right. that's what a free to play designer told me one point. That's He's right. like, the yeah. whole point is that there's oh you never take away from them the ability to give you more money, which is like that's what a lot of retail console games. He's like, they put it out there, it's sixty bucks, and then, then that was all you're gonna get from them. He's like, Me, I make right. it to where if a person really wanted everything, they can spend ten thousand dollars. You know, and it's like and right. then I asked for more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you guys in fucking Kickstarter. Yeah, totally <laughs> true. It wasn't we did. We just used, we just PayPal. put up a PayPal donation PayPal. button. There was no Kickstarter back then, but schemers, man. Kickstarters, God man. Damn it, don't fucking. <laughs> shit. Hey, I, I've donated to quite a few Kickstarters, so I I've, uh, haven't seen anything from any of them yet, except one, a local Oakland, Oakland one. I think my Pebble so. watch shipped finally. Did it really? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so uh, I got the notification saying that they are shipping. We're playing a Kickstarter game right now. You just finished reviewing. Oh yeah, it, so. yeah. So yeah, I Strikes at Zero. That was a Kickstarter game, and it's out. So it's interesting that finally these Kickstarter games are coming out. Yeah. Not all of them are going to be, you know, what people will call a scam. It's weirder for mm-hmm. me seeing Kickstarter movies come out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the the blur guys are finally making a feature length movie. Yeah, that's Thanks. the goon movie. Oh right? really? Yeah, yeah they're, they're making a goon they're movie. The goon, fuck man. Right? I'm not really like that, that's the property. I know, but it's, it's just really ex- up on the. Goon, I just think it's really cool for do a movie exactly. Though. Like they do hands down the best CG work in my it's opinion. It's just weird like anyone. seeing the credits of a movie and seeing thanks to our Kickstarter backers and just yeah. like this page of people. Yeah, it was weird for me to see Brian Fargo doing a Kickstarter for uh, Wasteland. Yeah, that just seemed odd to me. Is it as sad as Chris Taylor? Well, no. The Brian Fargo one was massively successful. It was massively successful. So, that Wildman one is struggling right now, too. Right, but didn't Wasteland not make a bunch of its money until the end? Yeah, it's yeah. true. That happens a lot of the time. Like, like a lot Ryan of Kickstarter, Kickstarter was the same way. The yeah. camouflage didn't make their yeah. money until, like, last minute. So, I mean, their projections must be fucked. That's yeah. crazy, like, just the, uh, the amount of money you can get from... Well, the crazy thing really is, is. is when you look at the amount of people that donated, too, like... 
even like the Wasteland one, which I think made like six million dollars or something like that. God. The total amount of people that donated to was also only like thirty five thousand people. Yeah. And it's like thirty five thousand people is not that many people to make that much money. No, not at all. You know, I mean it's just like an incredible leap of faith too. That it is. They're going to come like through. An average of one hundred and eighty dollars per donor, or something. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just like it's that like insane. It's an incredible amount of money that a small amount of people are willing to throw behind it. Something. Yeah. You know. There's something. I mean, there's. I don't know what sense to make of it. We had this discussion in event before because you know it's like I, I've I'm a cheap ass. I've never given any money to. I've I've, do, I've donated like, to several. I haven't. It's like I wonder. You know, like my my theory on it. It's probably utter bullshit. Is that like people? I mean, obviously, we all know that it feels good to give, right? But people are expressing. <laughs> right, that's their, why I donate to way, charity. It's a way yeah, of me expressing exactly. something about their identity or feeling as though they're saying something about themselves. It's a statement to donate to Kickstarters. Well, also, but now, like people aren't using Kickstarter as a donation service or anything. They're not using it to help someone fund something. They're using it as a marketplace. Like I use Kickstarter. Like this is fucking cool. I would like this product. When it comes I will out. give you fifteen dollars, mm-hmm. and when it comes out in a year, I will have it. Yeah, it's like that, a pre-order. But people there's are, no like. I mean, you wouldn't operate that way in a normal economy by no. any means because there's no guarantee that you're going to get anything that you're putting. Right, right. You're, it's you're, like, do you pre-order buying the like, promise. You know, bananas and stuff because you want a <laughs> banana? You know, it's like there's certain things that you. That's what true. If someone right now said, about? I will give you $50 a year to get subscription to bananas, it's going to be the same amount you're going to spend. I'd say, fuck off. No, I'm just going to go get my bananas. Yeah, I'll wait right. for it to come right. out. And we talk <laughs> about bananas on the show a lot. I feel. <laughs> so they're the best fruit. <clears throat> I'm not with you there. I don't like bananas. I don't like bananas. Oh, my God. You don't like bananas? Crazy. No. Fucking finally. I, I find don't like someone, bananas. Does the taste of banana cut through everything for you? I hate it. If, if, if there's, like, I won't eat banana bread. <clears throat> If if I hear like there's a thing like some pie and like the tenth ingredient is banana, banana. I won't eat it. Like if there's a smoothie, smoothies of any sort. No, if there's a smoothie, like if there's like even the hint of banana, that's why I don't drink smoothies. They're they're strawberry surfried or a Jamba Juice has no banana. This has been like a banana bonding experience for you guys. It has been. Well, I got traumatized by my dad because he used to when we were kids. He used to. uh, (laughs) That's not that kind of story. Come on! Whoa! Would, no, wait a sec. It's getting he dark. would uh, he would take uh, a banana at, at, at the table and he would oh. smash it up. So he and he would eat it like baby food. He would smash it, <laughs> you know. And it was just was so work, gross right? to me to look at that it just disgusted me. <laughs> bananas bananas are not mashed like, potatoes. Right? He would just smash it up and then eat it. And then eat it. Smashed bananas. Yeah, he would eat. He <laughs> would eat mashed. No, he just eat mashed. That's bananas. like an unfried. What's the the name of the Cuban uh, staple? It's a plantain. Plantain, oh. plantain which yeah, I can't no, eat. The, the, no, you, plantains don't really taste like bananas, though. But they look too much like diabetes association. Right. It's like a. It's like a potato substitute for them oh, I was like, fuck I can't think what it's called we're gonna have to put the hot podcast on hold until we have an answer <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no I, that's I, all that's 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 kind of suck to be anti-banana because it's this is a very there pro-banana everything, society yeah. it's the third most it's the uh, third most popular food crop when it, when that really? when the banana yeah. goes After extinct corn and wheat when the meat. banana goes extinct and there's the celebration, it'll just be me and Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or if we're on an all banana, if that's all that's left, oh. I guess then I would eat. This podcast I, is I, brought I to you by banana. When I was growing up, and he was in Camp Pelham in the Marines, would say how he'd come back from TJ and see different <coughs> shows, and how he saw a woman take a banana and then make uh, banana custard out of it. 
So I probably that's probably with her I, vagina. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that that's where that was going because you said TJ yep. and he'd see all these shows, and yep. I was like, oh, here we go. No, man, it was crazy. She took it out and sat at a table and took a spoon. Man. <laughs> <laughs> that is not where I expected that to go, man. No, you t- you tell it. What do you mean if there's a story about a girl in Tijuana, her vagina is always where it goes. <laughs> You'd be excited. You say that like there is a woman who would um, do a handstand with a bottle of Coke and then like. <laughs> And then it would like go back the other way, and then you know the coke would go back, and then bam, like front row service like that. Right, <laughs> <laughs> your thirst was quenched so. Quenched. And you said you didn't have anything left after Idle Thumbs. <laughs> that's, uh, dude, no, that's just that's just how it was. Oh man, do you want to take a break really quick, and then there, do you want to try to read some letters? Look at you. Okay. We're back. Was this just a link? So we're back. I'm gonna uh, never ever click this. Quickly, while you guys are yeah, while you click that, I'm gonna quickly promote like a new Kickstarter I started. (laughs) It's so stupid, but it's like it's been my dream. I'm making a movie. Well, I'm I'm, with your help. I'm gonna make a movie. It's called Cemetery Yaki. I don't know what the movie's about. That's the whole thing. I just provide the name. You give me like I'm only asking for three hundred thousand (laughs) dollars. And I'll make it whatever you guys think it should be provided. Cemetery Yaki? Yeah. It's like provided. Edge. This is something else, man. Jesus. God. <laughs> this, this, <laughs> this is scroll out too so he, uh, they can be see. Be glad this. this is an audio podcast at the moment. <sighs> okay, this you have to show me now. Dead Space right. Monster. <laughs> wow. If you, go, if you go to Sean's Twitter feed, uh, Someone named Andrew Howerluck sent him a link of a of a butthole in, within a butthole within something. <sighs> <laughs> wow, that was mentally exhausting. Just to look. Um, yeah, I just you know it just makes me question our whole species that people are like I got to show the world this. Not only that, like, how did that person figure out that how they is had that? that? Even There's someone in the that's place. into it, right? Like, who decides like this is an image that needs to be captured? Uh, the person taking the picture. Someone who owns the fucking roll of duct tape. A, a true artist is who. <laughs> someone looking for a horror movie. I don't care concept. what it is. How does, get, how does that get to be your job too? Or how do you how do you go from being a kid to like that's what you do? With Maybe it's life? a passion, not like a career. I know that you tell your daughter you would love her no matter what she did with her life. But I don't just we, don't even associate my <laughs> kid with this. <laughs> <laughs> that's got that's a step too far, dude. Yeah. I, people don't even know what we're talking about. Like, <laughs> Anyways, it's just a, a morbidly obese woman on all fours. So there's a roll of duct tape behind her, and someone is duct tape, presumably for fucking sexual or erotic purposes, duct tape her like enormous ass cheeks apart so that you can actually see what lies below, except what lies beneath. Duct taping the outer ass cheek open revealed that there was an inner ass cheek that just needed just as much duct tape as the outer. And so it's infinite regress. It's sort of like a sarlacc pit. <laughs> it's true. It did look like the face of a Star Wars monster. It looks like a droopy dog. Open it up again and look and tell the audience before we change subjects. The thighs are like the big flop. I can't wait ears. until Anthony it looks is like, out yeah, on like his date tonight. The, the like a, it's like a beagle. Anthony's yeah. going to be out Basically on his date tonight. Thing. And his, his date's going to ask... 
ask him to look something up and he's going to go, oh, let's look it up. And he unlocks exactly. his phone. Exactly. I'm going to open my phone. That. The yes. same <laughs> thing happened to me last time when I went to an Apple store. My iPad broke. So I took it in to get a check and he's like, well, let me open up a browser so I can have you <laughs> no. sign the release oh, form. Shit. And when he opened it, it went to a subreddit called Clop Clop for people that do sexual things with My Little Pony. Oh. And I was and I was like, uh, it, it, uh. Well, what, back it up. What were you doing on that site? Because we were using it for a joke or something else. Anyways, but I, I left it with my last stupid thing. the fucking iTunes special. What are they called? them what do you mean what do they call the itunes store employees geniuses, geniuses. geniuses. yeah, yeah. It take, you don't buy it any more than the geniuses do is what <laughs> you're saying it almost looks like geordie laforge like the the duct tape that's song. one of the more charming embarrassing <laughs> moments we've had today at the apple store um so should we read a couple of questions sure you guys can feel free to contribute as you want or sure. i don't know people always ask us really nerdy shit we'll, we'll answer um this is one I can't. This is a guy with a fucking R2-D2 <laughs> iPhone case who's looking at a picture of the fucking star. Like, I know. We can look around my room and just see how big of a fucking dork I am, right? <laughs> I have all your dumb toy uh, tanks still. I know. And I see we've all been appraising your fucking shadow star, 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 figure. star action figure. He's not gay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm a huge dork. I am. But I'm saying people ask us like... Hey, well, Anthony, describe your t-shirt for us. It's a, it's a uni- unification of the star... The, Enterprise, USS Enterprise uh, 1701, the original, mm-hmm. not no letter designation, and the Millennium Falcon. Oh, so, just in time. Is this in honor of... Uh, no, I just... Yeah, yeah, it was, this shirt's no, an old This was prophetic. This was a prophecy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, it's funny because Sean always like makes fun of people with tattoos a lot of times, and now I got these like Star Wars tattoos, and now they're Disney tattoos. Oh, so, man. Oh, shit. Yeah, Let's care. see your Star Wars tattoos. Well, you have the Ask me the question. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so this this Focus. this kid named Craig writes in and he says, uh, if the new consoles are really going to be based on X eighty six, this is why I'm saying it gets nerdy. X eighty six based PCs with slightly tweaked ATI video cards, how are they going to maintain backwards compatibility? Considering that top of the line i seven machines can still not emulate the Wii very well, and that both the three sixty and PS three C, I told you, are substantially more demanding, I have my doubts that they would be able to emulate at all. And he says on he says mobile devices have trained us that our older shit will almost always work with the new thing. So he's like wondering if our old games will work. Was it you and I, consoles? Arthur, who had this debate that I said like backward compatibility will patently not be a thing in these new consoles, um, and you said that yes, it absolutely will be. N- well, not for both the the Orbis or PS4 or whatever they end up calling it won't. Right, because they're moving from a very very different architecture. Right. Um, Whereas the transition between 360 and whatever we expect it to be fairly, you know, it's less, comparable in terms of it's less exotic. It's moving from from something less exotic to a new thing. Although I, people keep saying that it's oh well, they're just like PC parts with tiny modifications. They're not PC parts with tiny modifications. Both systems are really aggressive system on a chip. Designs. Is it important that these things be backward compatible? I think it's super important that they Why? be backwards compatible because I, I mean internally, Microsoft has, acknowledges that backwards compatibility is important at first. Mm-hmm. Um, because it gives people something to play. Makes that transition on their easier. new systems. It makes okay. the transition earlier. They're okay. already invested. I don't feel like I'm throwing um, away all of the shit that I've paid for for the past eight years. Also, this is the first generation where there's been a digital library that's mm-hmm. been built up that doesn't have physical mm-hmm. um, hard like software. To so go it's with more it. maybe more important for the manufacturers and for the gamers or for the- um, gamers will think it's important for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. If you're um, casual too and you're jumping, so say for example, in one generation you own nothing but Microsoft and you're going to jump and get like Sony or whatever or vice versa the next one. 
And that means, you know, so we, you never played any PS3 games, then you right. now have the, you know, it's mm-hmm. yeah. a gigantic library. It makes it easier um, to continue loyalty from platform yeah. to platform. Um, the only thing I really care about carrying over personally is I'd like my live games yeah, to carry I, over. For Durango, what I expect is that it'll be some kind of hardware-based and they'll phase it out after the second or third mm-hmm. release. Because that's their strategy documents say specifically that it's important for the first couple of years and it's a mm-hmm. feature that can be eliminated. And right. Sony demonstrated that, that it's something that you can eliminate over time. Right, because at some and, point... And then resell. We're not play PS2 games. No, then then you can resell like <coughs> like improved versions of those old games. Right. Um, but I I don't think that they can do backwards compatibility on the on Orbis because PS3 still cost a lot to make. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Sony got uh, they got <coughs> ten bucks out of me. Well, because of the Black Sunday or Black Friday Black Sunday Black Friday sale of uh, Sly Cooper. Which I owned. Uh, it was like 10 bucks for the collection, right? Right. So I bought that because it was a great deal. Right. But I didn't really need them again for PS3. Right. Like, I've almost bought the God of War collection like three or four times, mm-hmm. even though I have half of those games. Right. Um, yeah, at this point, backward compatibility in the PlayStation 3's life cycle is kind of irrelevant because all of the shit that you would want to replay is now in some form of an HD collection. Well, that, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's just like a lot of the PS2 stuff doesn't hold up very well. Sure. So, fuck it. Right, well, that's uh, sort of what I was getting at. Was like, but I mean, especially for <clears throat> for the next Xbox, if it comes out say before the next Call of Duty, yeah, it sure, will be right. really extremely important that the Call of Duty games mm-hmm. that pe- are dominating Xbox Live and Halo Four and Gears all work on that system, right? Unless just like you're just to like have Halo Two is running at the same time, just like Halo Two yeah. worked on Xbox 360 for a long time. Because the idea of having like seventeen thousand fucking systems underneath <laughs> the entertainment center does not appeal to everybody. Yeah, fair enough. Um, this question's from a kid named Josh, and he says, "I've been thinking a lot about the pricing of digital property in general, and especially of games." And he's like, how do you quantify the value of intellectual property? There's no physical form to what you're purchasing, and what you're purchasing can feasibly be duplicated endlessly. How do developers decide what is a fair price point? Is it for is that a matter of man hours put into it, making it measured against expected sales? Wait, rewind. rewind. So it doesn't come in a box, therefore it's not worth. The- well, well, because so he's saying he he played through Journey, is okay. what he says. Okay, but it only took him like two hours, and he's like, I paid ten bucks for it, and he's like, he, he's like, and he, so he's saying like. How do they determine what a game value is worth for, say, something like Journey? Jesus, is it based on the hours single... it takes, or is it based on, like... That's different for everybody. I mean, that, I, that's I mean, more of a publisher projection. The value of IP is sort of determined by the person making it. Yeah. It's funny, I was just thinking this morning when I was reading stuff on Twitter, I was thinking it's sad that gamers now use the term IP. <laughs> like, when did that happen? <laughs> or even, like, like, skews and shit, you know? I was bugged by all yeah. that. Yeah, skews still kind of bugs like, me. Like, we, skews to, you can use! It used like, to not be that way. And all that shit still. <laughs> I mean, it's just a new word for something that everybody said already, which is, like, version. Like, it's a different yeah, version. Yeah, I so. Nobody really thinks of it as a shelf-keeping unit. Well, I thought ten bucks for Journey was a ten bucks well spent. I look, oh, look at that. Like this is a level of enthusiasm that's like it's pure business. Like the last two questions are totally like like business major questions. Well, that's the way. You know, I mean, but like, that happens across the board. The way like newspapers now write article. Like every Monday, you get like the box office results. Like who gives yeah, yeah, a shit? Absolutely. Yeah, Why should we give a shit how much Skyfall made? Like we're not. Getting and every any discussion about Apple's about like their stock relative or what right. is this? We don't going care. To do yeah. to their stock Why do we care? I should say I, because well, like, the business success of a game or media property determines whether or not we will get more of it or more things from the people that made it 
Yeah, but I yeah, just, like, yeah, sure. Like the uh, Sean, not picking on you, but like if Bioshock Infinite tanks, then like bio like Irrational's like clout to do the things that they want to do is but a is less than it would be like if it was super successful. Number of sale of units that have to sell at what uh, have to sell and at what price in order for there to be more is like irrelevant, right? It's like all you need to know is like yeah. did, did it is there going to be another one or not? And to like sit there and like predict and wait and like it's just the whole insanity yeah, of like sure. the stock market in general. You know, where I people think- are like looking at their returns like every other day and it's like it's it's possibly the worst thing you could possibly you could you success could can can affect investment. Like not like monetary investment, but emotional investment. Like I'm not gonna go and play Reckoning because that is a game that was supposed to be part of something much bigger that will never exist as anything more than it is. And that game as it is might be a a satisfying experience, but I don't want to get into something expecting more from it than I will than anyone will ever get. Sure, in the case of like if, if someone is advertising a very specific narrative like trilogy or multi-part series and then the rest don't come out. It'd be like if Kill Bill 2 never came out, you mm-hmm. know. Look at Advent Rising, which right. was I a, think abysmal but I mean, like Advent Rising. I mean, I played that and I enjoyed it, and like I didn't need more, you know. Like it. I mean, I'm thinking of something like very specifically. It would be like you know, like if uh, you finished Empire Strikes Back, but Return of the Jedi was never made. I mean, you would be fucked. Like it. It ends on a fucking cliffhanger. Yeah, kind of like the end of Half Life Episode Two. <laughs> yeah. Twin Peaks ended on a on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, we'll see. That's why I wanted to read that because I knew that some sort of discussion would come out of his question. Uh, but I think we should wrap up. Because it's already been a half hour, believe it or not. So it's no more questions. Sorry, four. Well, there's more emails, I'm sure, but, but you have we, a curfew. It's four. So. Yeah, Jessica, you guys can keep on answering. This is your this is your audience. They have fucking pressing questions. They've got a decent like length like show this week. Podcast. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. They, they got have, you talking about more morbidly obese asses. <laughs> you guys to field. That there was somebody asked us, "What do we think about Sega getting Company of Heroes?" You know, so I'm just like, "That's a shit. That's a business deal. I want to talk about." So it just sounds, it just sounds fun. That sounds fine to me as long as it's coming out. That's all I care about, right? Like, I just I'm glad Relic didn't shut down. That's the bottom line. Yep. Yeah, it does. There's some really sad videos going around. Uh, I think it signifies that Sega is investing more heavily in PC. I mean, they have that in Creative Assembly. So, but I just think it's a. It was. If everyone should go find the video of. of uh, the THQ people pouring a Saints Route 40 oh, out over the stairs yeah, in front yeah. of the building. So, <laughs> that's, that's a good one. That's a great game. That game was a lot of fun. The last one. Yeah, and yeah. you're going to get another one, but it'll now just be a... Uh, Silver game. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, Alright. So you can send your letters into us at letters at eat-sleep-game.com. You can find us all on Twitter. I'm at Chuff Money. Arthur's at A-E-G-I-E-S. Mitch is at Mitchie D. Jeff is just at... Green uh, Speak. Greenspeak, yeah, and then Sean is just Sean Elliott, two L's, two T's. That's the things people say. I fuck yeah. used to fuck the whole time. We're not necessarily advocating that you follow Sean. My credits in the game were almost destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I've mistweeted at you more than That's what I'm saying, because yeah. two L's, two T's. You know thinking, right, because there's, there's like, what, like four different ways to spell it? Like, Sean could go... Yeah. Oh, yeah, wait, <laughs> find the first name, too, then yeah, yeah. that adds another, like, three. So, that's it's where you can find everyone. You find my work on IGN. Me and Mitch's work both at IGN. You can find Arthur's work at Polygon.com. And then... My um, work is on Twitter. Yeah, Jeff's work is on so Twitter. Is and Sean's work, you can find when Bioshock Infinite releases later this year. So, go buy that. 
Also, pay lots and lots for Bedul Blitz. So <laughs> my, my kid has three more years of college. <laughs> okay, there we go. We're out. <laughs> and it just it happens to be fat that's a small cat that happens to be fat dude yeah. she's a big cat though. that's a small dude my cat must be like part <laughs> fucking feral your cat is giant but I'm saying yeah. that the she for a female cat that is a big cat like to start with like even just to start I'm saying no man whatever you tell yourself <laughs> my man, cat's female too <laughs> yeah but Arthur's cat is like Arthur's female cat she's petite she's small she's little they're yeah. small like that's a small cat I always think the small cat like she, she should be according to the vet she should be 10 pounds yeah, and she's sixteen. Yeah, really? You have an extra. She cat, looks half more than sixteen. <laughs> no, she's only sixteen. She is. She's babe. lost half a pound. Too tired to stand in bay at the same time. Gonna let down. She's on prescription. She's food. seventeen pounds. Sixteen. <laughs> I have her, I have her on prescription food. I'm trying. I'm trying, man. It, it'll take time. These have like Just the Chris Farley. She's cat. always been a beast though, because when I lived with roommates. In college for five years, her first five years, dude, they would just feed her anytime she wanted food. She'd meow yeah. and feed her, and so she got huge. And so it's just been. A she fact. can be a real cunt when she hasn't eaten. That's yeah, that's the worst. She part shatters glasses. Fucking... She'll jump up on a counter and find a glass that's and just break it. Really? Yeah, and that's clearly like a. Oh, podcast, you need so. this medication to regulate your depression. <laughs> yeah. she, if I if I forget to put a toilet paper roll like on the the roll thing. She'll into go the and toilet. knock it into the toilet bowl. I can't tell you wow. how many times I walked. I woke up in the morning to find a roll of toilet paper in the toilet. <laughs> That's amazing. And like every, if I close my door to throw her out because I don't want to feed her because I'm like I can't feed you. I can't. You have to get use this diet. She'll reach well, her hand well. under the door jam and pull the door against the jam. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Like if 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 I was woken up by Anthony saying "you fucking bitch," then I knew that there was a roll of toilet paper in the toilet. <laughs> yeah, just got me trained, man. <laughs> Uh, I'm ready. Yes, that is precisely what he is. Pussy 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 yeah. <laughs>